<laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. This is episode number... 171. <laughs> it's right on the it's screen. It's right on the screen. I <laughs> uh, got some new uh, visuals for the folks here in the studio and but, for you folks hey, at home. But I was right, and the people listening can't see the screen. Yeah. So 171. <laughs> There you go. We don't have a screen. Wigs just pulled yeah, that one out of the old memory banks. I know. We're breaking down the fourth wall here, guys. <laughs> Let's, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome back to another episode. I'm tired tonight. What about you guys? I have two Red Bulls in my system, so I'm, I'm pretty tired. I drank a beer before Wigs got here, so I'm not going to uh. have another one. <laughs> but Wigs, I got you a beer. Once you have that thing, I'll go get that comfy chair from outside and bring in a second just fall asleep. Out, <laughs> so welcome to another show and uh that's the notes you hear rattling we got a lot to talk about tonight and let's roll some intro music before we get to that and thank our patrons hello and welcome to another episode of creative riding the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. All right, we're back. That was our intro music. Nobody here in the studio heard it because we're going post-production tonight. I'm too bu- I'm too tired to do all this like <laughs> producing like a real producer should. But I do want to say thank you guys for showing up again this week. Um, after such a crazy busy weekend that we had, um, we got a little bit to talk about tonight. And before we get into all that, I did want to remind people of some stuff that's coming up. So did anybody ride this weekend? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. We all actually we all rode this weekend. And um you even I, got out and rode? Yeah, I got out and rode a couple times, but I didn't do anything as fun as you guys did. Um I just rode around. I fa- I explored town and I ran some errands and I saw some new riders taking the basic rider course uh over by oh, my, yeah, where my kids soccer. I was like we showed up for a soccer game and I was like yeah, there's some riders right here. See, they're here. doing it the right way. That's yeah. the way to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, coming up uh, this week, well, I'm sorry, not this week, this month, actually, in a couple, I think there's three weeks left if you're hearing this today. Um, the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, it's an annual uh, sort of fun thing that uh, the Loud Pipes podcast does. And they're just trying to get people involved, try to get more people out riding now that the riding weather, unless you're in Wisconsin, I've been <laughs> looking at people's Facebooks. Um, Is there still snow in there? Yeah. Jason oh Goldmeyer, the, one of the founders of the WIR Top 10 Bikes, just posted on the Creative Riding Facebook page today that, uh, oh, it's uh, spring's here. It's sunny. Oh, oh, wait. No, it's cold. No, wait. It's sunny right. again. Oh, wait. No, now it's snowing. Snow's coming. So apparently they're going to get another round of snow, but their first round is like a month away. So I'm excited about that. The Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge will be just in time, a month away. Um, so anybody up there that wants to compete this year. Last year we had Nikki and Chad uh, as listener writers, and we had Paul and Chris sign up as my co-writer since um, we, it was hard doing it like by myself the first year I did it. And so they made this rule where listeners could be part of the podcast team. We'll listen up this year because of girl on a moto last year, having like 20 or 40 writers for listener writers for their podcast. There used to be a rule where to be on a podcast, you on a podcast team, you had to be on air for 10 hours 
Um, so if your show is only half an hour long, that's 20 episodes you had to be on. Um, you had to, uh, you know, there had to be a maximum of three per podcast and then you could have as many writers as you wanted. And, um, this year they changed it. And I think partially it's because Bacon from the Moto Nobody's podcast had the same troubles I did last year because he was a solo writer and Girl on a Moto had so many people writing for them. This year, uh, the teams are working out a little bit different. So I'm going to run down some of the rules since I'm super excited about it. It's coming up in four weeks here. Um, this year, there's just a team captain. Just one host from the from each podcast has to be present, and everybody else can be individual writers. And it actually works out better that way because the podcasts get a big trophy and the individual writers don't get to be part of that. So they're like, listen, this year, the individual writers – we just have one podcast guy as a team captain and everybody else can ride for themselves. So the, the, the teams, like say you were, say we were a podcast team this year with the three of us and we rode our dicks off, but we wouldn't really get anything if we lost anything. But a, a rider that was riding for us separately, just a listener that wanted to ride for us, got like a bajillion miles, did a couple iron butts during the challenge because it's only three weeks long. Um, Brian Honeycutt did an iron butt last year for the, I think he was riding for loud pipes or throttled or something like that. And he, uh, you know, got like, he didn't even win, but he, I mean, there was people that rode like across country twice and shit like that. It's crazy. It gets crazy. Um, but for us podcast teams, we could have done triple that and we, we still would have lost because of the point values and this and that. So. My, don't mind me interrupting you. What exactly is the challenge? So the motorcycle. Good thing you asked. I'm sorry. I just I went full. I launched full <laughs> into this. The motorcycle podcasters challenge is an intra podcast challenge set up by Loud Pipes just to get more listeners tuned on to each show because then you're like, hey, who's in it this year? It's just a way to get more people from our collective group tuned into these different shows because we all have different followings, you know. But the point for the writers and the partic- the listeners we want them to be a part of it too so rich thought of this crazy awesome way he's the host of loud pipes thought of this crazy awesome way of like hey let the listeners submit too and they can go for some mileage points and, and prizes and then you know the listeners were getting so people are just trying to accumulate as many miles yeah in a three-week period yeah okay got it now and i'll tell and we'll get to the actual rules of it later because that's just like a that's just like the bait basic of it basic part of it the more miles you ride as a listener the better as a host this year miles don't really count and miles only came into context for podcasts if they tied for numerical values and i'll get to that in a minute and they needed a way to sort that out uh you both tied well whoever has the most miles then will win um so this year with with the listeners having a team captain to report to only one person from each podcast has to report and everybody else gets to ride for the glory of the podcast, but also for themselves. So it's like a double, a double tiered competition to get people out, get them riding and get, you know, people explore, people love to like go to new places. Sing Syme is a Sing Syme and Chad and Nikki that were on my team last year as listener writers for me. Uh, they were a prime example of they purposefully went out and looked for places to ride to that they'd never been and they, oh, cool. they get points. Now in the past, uh, the past two years, the first year it was just miles, raw miles, and uh, that got boring for everybody. And so last year, they cha- the two years ago, they changed it to city names, and you will get points for each city that you go to. Mm. And Wigs helped me go to. We went to some crazy. Uh, where the hell did we go? I met you at uh, or something, right? Huh? Nick, 
Whittier or something like that? It, no, it had a longer name than that. I forget where it was, but it was, yeah, we went to some place that was like, you know, I went to La Cañada Flint Ridge for mm-hmm. L because that's a lot of letters, you know, <laughs> and they base it on Scrabble tiles. So like vowels and stuff and R-S-T-L-N-E gets uh, very, okay. very low value, but right. Z's and Y's. So Yukaipa Valley was, there was a Y one year and Girl on a Moto got Yukaipa Valley. And I okay. went to Harupa Valley because uh, V's and Y's and J's, yeah. lots of letters, lots of points there. So yeah, well, uh, that's not very long, but I would look well, for something like, like Akatia Wells would be good. Yeah. But um, so basically they would pick a letter from this Google uh, little bingo machine. They'd pick six letters, pop, 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 and you would have to go to a city with that name and you'd get your points would accumulate. So it was fun. And you would sometimes you'd have to go really far to get a cool city, but then your miles would add up. So you're like double yay, right? Mm. The thing was is that like on the East Coast, apparently, this this became a big problem uh, out here and back on the East Coast. They have a lot of boroughs and townships and right. city of. That's what I was thinking too. So if it's like city of industry, would it count for C or I? Because the city of industry is the name of the city, kind of like Dodge City right, is the name of the city. But, uh, I don't know, Pasadena City. City is not in the name of Pasadena, but it says that on some of the signage. So people were, were trying to like bend the rules last year. And then the Indian reservations, they're like, well, does Indian reservation, those words count too? Mm. So it got all whacked out. And the admins were like ripping out their hair because what was fun <laughs> for two years on the third year went totally haywire because <laughs> all these people came in and they're like trying to be – uh, mm-hmm. accommodating. So this year they're like, listen, we're going to do away with city names because people are going nuts and we're going to go to street names, which is actually better because mm-hmm. there's so many better, much better streets and towns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can, I can probably go to Pasadena for every letter of the alphabet, <laughs> you know, or LA for sure. And instead of having to drive like 85 miles to find Zania, California. They should do fruit names because there's so many fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drive here. to like a fruit farm. <laughs> well, so this year uh, they changed it. And like I said, the, the major thing is the team formations. You don't have a podcast team and then separate listeners that are writing for you for bonus points. Everybody's a writer now. And the podcast captain, like I don't have to do anything. If I have people writing for me, all I have to do is get one letter. And that's it for the flash challenges. So I was like, well, that's cool. I still want to go out and ride and find all these street (laughs) names. But everybody, so like you wouldn't be eligible under last year's rules because you haven't been on air for 10 years, for 10 hours. But this year you can. And wigs, like we, everybody's a rider if you want to be. You just have to go sign up. That's that's all you got to do. The objectives this year, they're going for miles. And it's because the in, the individuals last year, I'm telling you, they were riding, they were doing trips. A couple of the ladies for girls on a moto picked their bikes up and rode to like move to Kansas or something like that and rode to Kansas and then came back to get their stuff. <laughs> so they did two cross-country trips during mm. the three weeks. Brian Honeycutt did a, a iron butt. Yeah. So he rode, he rode 1,500. He rode from like Utah to his house in Santa Cruz overnight or whatever like that. And uh, just like he was down here with us this weekend, and he rode back up. To, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. He just crazy. he just rode straight from at like nine o'clock <laughs> at night all the way back up. Uh, he got home safely at three a.m. By the way, okay, we'll good. talk about that later. But so this year they're like, you know, so many people were doing miles last year. We're going to base it partially on the miles. Part for the for the listeners, it'll be the uh, scores plus all their miles are going to count. Podcast miles aren't going to count. Uh, you know, it's a moot point for us. Um, 
but we're still going to do the submissions and the flash challenges and stuff like that. So let me explain all that. So now that you know that anybody can do it and and it's based on your miles, I hope that already perks your ears up and you want to get out there and ride. Now, eligible submissions are streets this year instead of city names because that got all wango tango. They decided to do streets, which is pretty easy because you you don't have to ride 80,000 miles to get some pretty decent street names no matter where you live unless you live in a county that just has one street (laughs) and then you're those. Like in Arkansas, my family lives off the highway and that's the only road is the highway. You would have to drive about – 12 miles to get into town. So uh, <laughs> you have to go at least 12 miles to where there's even streets with names. But other than that, it's nice because you could go all around and get some names. Now, eligible submissions, the street names, they have to have at least three letters in them. And uh, streets like 10th Avenue, If ten, uh, they're not counting any of that uh, boulevard, way, avenue, lane, because they saw what happened with the towns, township, mm-hmm. borough, city of. They're like, uh-uh, that stuff was too... Uh, if it says Northwest uh, Apple Avenue, Northwest doesn't count. Avenue doesn't count. None of the other stuff. Just the word Apple. That's all we're taking because mm-hmm. of last year with the town and the you know we don't want people counting up Boulevard eight thousand times and going only looking for boulevards and the whole challenge is like nothing but boulevards. So what about like say it's like Tenth Street? If it's just is the it, number ten, nope. Okay. So luckily around here. All the street names are spelled out. But if you were to go to Alhambra, just a, about five miles west, um, the street names are one mm. are two N D three R D. You know they're they're right, the right. they're the numbers. Yeah. So they I would be hosed. You know I'd have to drive around to somewhere else. So that that is one thing that the, it has to have at least three letters. So even if you have A A A Street, that street is three points. So yay! And in the past, there you they went for the biggest. Point value. So we would go to Harupa Valley. I'd we'd drive out to you know, uh, where did I, uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, Cardiff by the Sea. I went and got pictures of all these places because they're so big in point value. Well, this year they're doing golf scores, so the lowest score counts. So if you find a street that's called AAA Street, that works. The AAA, that's a three pointer right there. If you don't submit a street, you automatically get seventy five points. Um, for every street you miss, you get 75 points. So I was like, oh, God. So Wait, I'm confused. So then what's the point? Well, you don't want to get high points. So you want to at least get – you want to at least get uh, – they're going to so, – so they're going to pop out the six letters again like mm-hmm. last year. But instead of going for the six highest scoring cities, you're going to go for the six lowest scoring oh, streets okay. So you, you want to get a low score. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So you want to look for if, – if the letter O pops up like Oak Avenue, even though K is a pretty good letter, it's still Oak. Still wouldn't be 75 points. If you miss a street, it's 75 points for each street okay, that you miss. It, so it, you're looking to get like – Six times three. I mean, you're looking for 18 would be the lowest possible score you could get versus 75 for each one that you miss. Like, you know, you're talking about being up in like the 300s. You want to be up there. Okay, that's a good, that's a right. So they changed it around a little bit, and then they do these things on the second week and third week called flash challenges that gives the teams that are way behind a chance to catch up by doubling your score, or actually in this case they'll be knocking bonus points off your score. So they're going to be doing that, Um, and they're, you know, they never. You never know what it's going to be. One year it was find a payphone that works and call 
and leave a voice message from it. And so finding a working payphone is pretty hard. I hope yeah. I don't get in trouble hard. for work because I'm traveling all over LA for my job yeah. anyways. So I'm just going to be pulling over left and right yeah, and then dude. showing up late to all the appointments. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't understand. I'm doing this challenge. The challenge is real. <laughs> and you know what? It was like that for me a couple of times. Last year it was during, it was a little bit later in the year and my family was gone for uh, summer break, but since I still had to work, I stayed here. And as soon as I got off work, I was gone, and I wouldn't be getting home till like twelve thirty. <laughs> it, it takes over some people's lifestyle. Uh, so, do you lifestyle. have to take pictures of the yes. signs and stuff? So, how to submit? First of all, you have to join the Facebook group, and you have to take a picture. I don't have a Facebook account. You could, if you don't have a Facebook account, you can get with somebody that does. You could okay. send all your stuff to me, Got and it. I could post okay. it up for you. Um, what you don't like Cambridge Analytica taking all your data, <laughs> dude? What's up? No, uh, no. Are you just not eighty three years old? Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, they have a motorcycle podcaster challenge Facebook group that you got to join. Um, and when you sign up for the paperwork, they tell you where to go and everything. And what you do is all you got to do is you got to take a picture. They prefer video so that they can see that it's not doctored, but of yourself and just so they can see your face, see who it is submitting, and your bike, and then the the sign. And this year, since it's streets, they're like. You know, make sure you're not by a busy intersection. Make sure you don't have to run out to the middle of the street. You know, don't do it while you're riding, Jay. <laughs> don't get hit while you're riding. But do a live feed, a live video of it. Like, hey, this is me. I'm. What I'm about here. on my headset? Can I as ride long as you can transfer it? it? Like, if I'm talking and I, you can obviously see that I'm on the bike. So they need your face, though. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. the only thing. They Got need it. your face. Okay. Uh, what, if, what if I look at myself in the mirror, but I don't take <gasps> my helmet off? I mean, technically, that works. <laughs> it works. As long as they see that it's you. Yeah, if you could do that. While you're riding, though, holding up a mirror, they're going to be mad that you're doing it. <laughs> well, it's my headset, so I don't have to hold anything. There you go. So. Right. We'll see. Right. You're just like, <laughs> everyone behind you is like, what the... What's she doing? She's like leaning down in her mirror, like trying to look at herself. So they like a live vid of you, your bike, and then the street showing that you were actually there. And then leave your the metadata or the geodata on your photo so they can spot check it if they need to to verify that that's a real street in case someone complains or something like that. And then you upload that. Um, you can live stream it from the Facebook group page and that way they can see it otherwise in the past we've had to tag it and it's hard for them to, they miss some stuff if you stream it from your facebook thing on your story now that facebook has stories it kind of ruined the way that people find your stuff so it's it wrecked it where you used to be able to tag it now they would have to go out and find it so instead they're like do it from our facebook group facebook page Live it, or like you're saying, you can send it to me and I could upload it there. Okay. Um, and that's about it. I mean, there's a ton of rules. If you want to go, if you want to sign up, go to motorcyclepodcasterschallenge.com. And there's a whole separate podcast called Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge podcast that they do just for this reason, just to clarify the rules and do the results every year. And so it's only three or four episodes long each year. Um, and sign up ends March 17th. So you've got. So is that when it officially starts? No, it doesn't. It doesn't start till the end, uh, beginning of May, like the second week of May or something. Okay. But they need everybody in so they can like get everything set up, get shirts ordered. I blah, have blah, to blah. say April seventeenth, right? April seventeenth is okay. when the sign up ends. Got it. March or May, like the second week of May is when the challenge begins. So okay. that, I think there's a couple weeks in between sign ups and the actual start. And once you go in there. It'll blow your mind because there's like 50 rules and each rule has like A, B, and C because they, last year, like they don't want people to be confused. Like it's all there in the writing. It's a lot to read, but it's because these 
things have come up. And it's just for fun. It's just to get out and ride and just for some trophies and some, my medals up there are from it, you know, like <laughs> third place crummy medals, you know, and it's like, <laughs> so you're not riding for all the cheese. You're just, you're getting out there to ride and, and prove you know how to spell a street name correctly and follow So if I rules. wanted to check up on... Can I see if I'm not in the Facebook group? Is there any other way to find out, like all the other people that are participating? Nope. Uh, yeah, actually, on the uh, on the motorcycle podcasters challenge, um, once everybody's registered, they'll put a spreadsheet of all the riders and podcasts participating. So that actually will be up, and there's a whole bunch of uh, info over there at that website. So it's going to be fun. It's fun every year, and this year they should make it so that you can see what other people are doing without having to go on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Be- and and in the past, it really was like uh, you know people were getting amped up. I know. People started to get discouraged last year just because people were like having so many questions about stuff. And we're like, dude, it's kind of a no brainer. But then when you start getting into it, we're like, okay, we see why. We see yeah, why. I'm super excited. I just wish that there was like once you sign up that on the website, so here, you could only see. Oh, look, they do. 2019 okay. throttled motorcycle men, loud pipes, girl on a moto, and creative riding. Look, I'm, I'm on the top. That's the only time we're ever going to be on top, guys. Sorry. <laughs> and participating listeners, let's see if they have 2019 in yet. Yep, they do. Oh, sweet. Oh, 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 oh. Let's see who creative writing. Wow. <laughs> Chris, Nikki, Paul, Brian, and Chad. So let's add you guys on there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and and you know, get all the letters, get none of the letters. Just you're riding for your your glory and uh, bragging rights. And so when these... they sign up, they can choose who they're riding affiliated with, right? Yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. And I think you could change last year. If, you know, if you're riding for somebody one week, you could flip the oh, next week as long okay. as you tell them. Um, and then also. They'll tell you in the beginning uh, to take, you know, when you submit the week that it begins, take a picture of your mileage as well before you even take your first street pick because you have to submit that the night before the challenge starts. So they got everybody's beginning mileage because then at the end of the challenge, they're going to be adding all the mileage. Do they send like email updates for like... Yeah, they're really good. They send out a newsletter and emails and all that great stuff. So it's pretty fun, dude. And I mean... I don't know. Wigs, like last year, it was ridiculous. Like you met me down there just, I had to go down there to get a letter and then we ended up carving some sweet Canyon home. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of fun. Like, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. Go check it out at MotorcyclePodcastersChallenge.com. And if you want to subscribe, they've got the first episode out this year describing the rules. Um, they've got a YouTube page up and all that stuff. Go check out Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. Um, uh, podcast. Very exciting. I look yeah. forward to it. Yeah, it's fun. Sign up fast though. March seventeenth or April seventeenth is with the last uh, last day to sign up. In other news, Jay, I, this isn't aimed toward you, but I did want to say <laughs> on this week's No Komodo podcast, I don't know if you <laughs> got a chance to listen. They had a little segment, a little rant, where they said every podcast has been saying it. That's why I know it's not just against against us. Uh, but all these damn cars getting in my way. And it's because <laughs> riding season is upon us. Uh, it's, you know, it's here for most of the country, except for, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and parts of North Dakota. Which, by the way, if you're in North Dakota, do me a favor. List your bike on Twisted Road. <laughs> Maybe they'll hook one of us up with something. Uh, anyway, yeah, so... People are getting out on their bikes, and more and more people are complaining about the cars that don't see them. And I, I just heard it again 
on Loud Pipes. I was listening. They had a little roundtable and Liza was chatting about it. <laughs> and they had a whole big smorgasbord about cars not seeing us. And Liza made a good point. And it's the point I would make that uh, according to the Hurt Report and according to that uh, study that helped to um, facilitate you know, the legalization or the codification of lane splitting in California, um, it also said... It was a 2015 report by the Highway Patrol that said the biggest uh, motorcycle incident of, of, colli- of uh, I guess, collision was motorcycles running into the back of other people, mm. <laughs> either not looking or going mm. too fast and can't mm-hmm. stop. And so Liza made a good point. Out there on the curves and in the, in the hills, we hardly see another car. And the biggest danger to, our, to us is us flying off the cliff. I don't know if you guys saw the Instagram uh, vid either. That dude, I think it was up here on... Um, yeah, it's been a, a year or two ago, right? Where you ran off the side of the road? Oh yeah, no, no, no. It was just—it was like just recently, like when the weather got better here. He was up on what's that road? Azusa, Glendora. Yeah, yeah, Glendora. I think is where it was, or either that or somewhere up on the crest. And there was a bunch of park dudes, and he slid off and hit him. Oh, and took he hit it. all of those. Yeah, hit all of them out. That wasn't that on the snake. I thought that was on the snake. I wasn't. That didn't look like the snake to me. Mm. Mm. It was just a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was Mulholland. Oh, yeah, was that the was, yeah. a little parking yep. lot? Oh, yeah, that it's was that it. Spot, yeah, oh, that okay. everyone congregates at, and oh. they were all watching. Yeah. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was like a sweeper. Um, yeah. So that guy, you know, talking about being the biggest. Man, uh, all of those. There's like three bikes piled on top of each other. Yeah, I feel it was bad. bad. For people who are just bystanders and their bike got fucked yeah. up. Yeah. So it's not the car. I mean, it's not always the cars. And and Nokomoto did a pretty good thing about talking about you know as motorcyclists we we need to not be there we need to not be in that space when the car is doing something and don't act like we own the road i thought it was pretty good to quit blaming the car (laughs) i've said it before like it doesn't matter whose fault it is Mm -hmm. yeah the motorcyclist goes to the hospital the motorcycle (laughs) gets told yeah you always gotta do better the motorcyclist is paralyzed the motorcyclist is dead yeah Mm -hmm. person in the car is fine yeah no matter how bad it is usually it doesn't matter whose fault it is you're the one that's dead or you're the one that's injured Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it really yeah. doesn't. I mean, it sucks, but that's just the reality of it. So you can blame the car all you want. If you're lucky, you're gonna get beat up and bruised up, and maybe only a couple broken bones, and your bike will get paid for. Yeah. But if you're not lucky, your family's putting you in the ground. Yeah. yeah. Like it. Like end of story. That's that's really yeah. it. Like, and what I noticed too is a lot of people that always blame cars are the people that are in a wreck every other week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they're the ones that are like, oh yeah. That's it, not me, right? Like, <laughs> I see you, I all the right. fingers are pointing <laughs> at me. <laughs> but like those are those people that are like, they're always in a motorcycle accident and they're always like, but it wasn't my fault. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like the first rule that you learn when you get a motorcycle is you ride like no one sees you. Literally. You ride like you're invisible. And I mean, after my, after I reported last week on my, uh, incident that I had happen, I consciously have made an effort to really just dial my shit back because 
it's I agree with everything he's saying, yeah. you know, like your girlfriend even made a comment about it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, I mean, she even I knew it was a big deal because she's like, yeah, I noticed that you've actually been riding like much better. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're normally a fucking lunatic. <laughs> and I was like, really? She's like, yes, you're a maniac. You get on that bike and you just become like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Like you just immediately just become this lane splitting idiot. And I like she would always get mad at me because I'd look back in my mirror and I couldn't see her because she was like way behind because I would just get in the zone. And I even when you're too up, she was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Like, floating in the air. Yeah, if you can read the shirt, the bitch fell off. Right. She's like, but, you might um, want to quit doing that on takeoff. No, but I, to be very serious for a second, like, I really did, like, after last week, and, you know, I talked to you. Yeah. You know how hard that is for me to be serious. Yeah, right I know, now. right? Okay. And so I was I'll like, oh, yeah, I'm getting serious. Junkie's, like, taking that tone with me. But, no, I really do <laughs> take that to heart, and, like, I don't want to... I don't want there to be a memorial for me, like on one of these shows. Like, what did I, really- I tell you last week? I said me and Wiggs would say we'd be sad, but we'd pr- write some pretty funny shit on your eulogy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and especially, I mean, honestly, my other job has added way more hours, so I've been traveling like basically doubled how much I'm commuting across LA, and it's just I really it's hard because. Especially on this new bike, on the on the Suzuki, on the banana, I just I don't even realize sometimes how fast I'm going. Yeah. And that was the first ticket that I got. Literally the first day I wrote it, I got a speeding ticket and I told the officer, I was like, I know you probably hear this all the time, but I really did not know how fast I was going. Yeah. Like I looked down and I was like, Oh crap and then I saw his lights in the mirror. Yeah. Spamela so- will make you feel like you're about to die when you're doing about 40. <laughs> You'll just be like, oh, my God, I'm going 1,000. Yeah. yeah, and so that, I mean, that bike I get has it, a right. lot of low-end torque and off the line. That, that's what I loved about it. But at the same time, you know, I'm – and I started taking city streets home because the freeways are yeah. just insane. And But even now, I'm like, I don't even know if that's any better because I have to ride straight through Compton, yeah. Yeah. which is – that's you – know, uh, You know, right. And I – I really, you know, when I commuted through LA, I didn't actually commute to work through LA, but I had to commute down there for jury duty a few couple times, and I've gone riding down there for various events, and just commuting through there is narrow, and it sucks, you know, and it's and people are a little selfish because everybody everybody wants to be in the, occupy the same space at the same time. Well, when Wiggs and I went down to the Peterson, we I saw firsthand some of the just insane traffic down there at certain times of the day. But also I took my kid down to the women's national team game on Sunday and I had to drive down to the hood, bro. It was like, mm-hmm. it was scary. It was like when, when people from my work came back from India and were describing the, uh, I couldn't, I've been thinking of this, trying to think of this word since Sunday. It's the word that means like everything, it, not, not, um, pestilence but that too i'm sure there's lots of pestilence down there but the word that means like it's so like poor and like a wasteland i can't think of it right now but dystopia it's definitely (laughs) dystopia but like every street was skid row i used to when i first moved here i drove down the street that skid row Row. like everywhere skid row when we went to the concert down there that one night oh god yeah it was like right out of downtown but it was just there's tents and trash dude there's just trash no i mean the areas that i ride through are literally like the projects and the the street Streets are narrow. Are ter- they're narrow, and they're basically just pothole. Yeah. There was literally one street that I wrote on that you could not avoid a pothole. It was yeah. literally just like zigzagging of potholes, so you couldn't even swerve to miss yeah. it. It was just so insane. Yeah. And on top of it, like I have a tendency to immediately um, 
let's say I have uh, the middle finger on my um, glove painted safety orange for a reason because I like people to see when I'm <laughs> saluting them. So I and often- the police to mistake. Somebody noticed that at the the live wire show too. Oh, okay. They were like, "Oh, you get safety orange, bro." But um, yo, no, yeah, so that's just yo, like yo, an yeah, immediate got me a ticket react- last week. <laughs> yeah, there's an, that's like kind of an immediate reaction. But yeah. I've had situations where. I have to like be like, okay, don't react that way towards certain drivers because I've had like I posted a video on my Instagram of the dude who like swerved because yeah. when I flipped him off, he went out of his way to swerve across four lanes of traffic, almost hitting two cars just to almost hit me Yeah, to flip again flip me off because yeah. he was so mad that yeah. i gave him the finger yeah like there's some people where you just don't they have nothing to lose and even just doing something with your finger gets to them and the yeah. areas that i ride through it can be really sketched so. dude for real i mean it was terrible it was terrible down there and you know my point is that the amount of like you're saying, I, it felt like I needed to be on an X, you know, a, a GR twelve hundred GS or like the latest Triumph to ride down there, you know, ADV style. I think style. I stand on my pegs about seventy five percent of the time when I'm riding, and I'm not exaggerating be, because it's just, dude. You know, on like a lowered Busa, you would high center every other, you know, every other yeah. quarter mile down well, there. When I was riding through Inglewood and I went to get on the freeway, there was this massive, almost like a speed bump, but it was just the concrete just had like, or yeah. the asphalt had just like lifted up. Both my tires were up in the air. Yeah. For a split Dude, second. Dude, w- on wigs, I felt like we were literally playing mario kart you know in his little (laughs) volkswagen and i was like dude we need to be in a wrx for this rally rally course it's pretty terrible the lanes are skinny and there's lots of traffic trying to get around so i get more of what you're not having had to actually commute through rush hour traffic and that stuff i kind of got um sitting in a couple hours of traffic down there on sunday I kind of got like a better idea of it would be kind of sketch. I don't know if I would be accident free uh, riding down there anymore, except for the fact that um, I tend to be super chill in places. You know, if the situation dictates, I'm even like way more chill. I, I probably wouldn't even try to split down there because it was so narrow in some parts. Yeah. But uh, speaking of crummy drivers and crummy streets, um, I was listening to the Cafe Race podcast this week, and they were talking about some of the worst road rage that they've ever encountered was while they're on bicycles. <laughs> and they uh, crash, just bought an electric bike, as did one of their patron guys that's kind of like a co-host on their show. Both bought um, electric bicycles that are like mountain bike, fat tire style. And the other guy, I think, has one of the kind that has the battery motor in the seat post that are totally illegal in the Tour de France, mm-hmm. but people try to pull it off anyway. Um, has one of those. And they were talking about how much they love it. And I've had the chance to ride electric bicycles that were unregulated before, and they're fun as mm. all hell. And that kind of uh, leads us into topic number one of tonight's show which is the Electric Revolution exhibition that we went to down at the Peterson. Mm -hmm. And that was some music that I'm going to drop in (laughs) later. Um, So yeah, Thursday, April 4th at the Peterson, this whole crew, now Wiggs had, you heard on the last podcast, Wiggs colluded with Russia to get double, uh, (laughs) double (laughs) entered. He was, he was covering all bases, but he got in. um, I don't know if it was with us or with your other hookup, but I got in through here first. Good. Yeah. 
because but it was all the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was all the same. They showed you the same bikes. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was in the same museum. Yeah. So, so we all got uh, down there and got into run to a former um, interviewee and a, a uh, I don't know fan of the show, listener of the show, Brian Honeycutt, and he's been he's made the rounds on almost every podcast as well. He's a uh, for, former racer and uh, he raced supermoto and he raced. Um, Oh, he raced his Ninja around a few tracks here and there. And now he does track days with uh, his GS as a, um, he was a track coach for a while on that thing. And now he's just like a crazy rider yeah, all, he all was around. Super cool. I, super I, cool dude. I had texted you guys the picture of the mm-hmm. creative writing podcast sticker. And then right as I texted you that, he walked up to me and he was like, oh, and he recognized my bike. I don't know from where, somewhere on Instagram or maybe I don't know who showed it to him, but he was really cool. I chatted with yeah. him for about 10 minutes. Cool super dude. Awesome. Cool dude. And uh, his twin brother thinks that shows like that are so lame and didn't want to go. <laughs> he's like, he, he didn't want to go. Uh, everything I tell him, he thinks is so lame. Well, it turns out his brother uh, had a really bad off a few years ago in the desert, and so his brother used to not think stuff like that was lame. But now he's like, yeah. "Did you guys see the guy who rode in on the Nikon?" He he talked to that guy. He's like, yeah. "That dude on the Nikon like rode up next to me, yeah. but I didn't see who it was. But we, there was a Nikon there. Uh, yeah, somebody. Some, uh, he was like an engineer or something. He rode up when I was talking to Brian, and then we both walked over and were like yeah. asking him about the bike and stuff. Yeah. So there was a there was a Nikon there at this uh, Electric Revolution thing. It looks so fucking weird. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's it looks so weird. It looks as crazy as it did at the show. Um, but they had guest speakers: uh, Ben McGinley from Harley, Richard Hatfield from Lightning. Harlan Flagg from Hollywood Electrics, uh, Dan Green from Cake, which I'd never heard of Cake before, um, and Charles <laughs> Fleming from the LA Times with Paul DeOrleans curating and leading the panel in discussion. And basically there was a lot of bikes there. The, the coolest guy, I mean, I got to talk to Richard Hatfield, who was really nice and a uh, super cool guy and you know, down for an interview and to talk about what he's doing. He had some really good points to make, actually, from a guy who wasn't just there to market his... Uh, I don't know, to market a commercially successful or a commercially like fluky bike, which I feel like the cake, we'll, we'll talk about the cake in a minute, but Ben McGinley was another guy there from Harley, obviously, who's had, uh, Paul DeOrleans made a good point about this. He said, you know, Harley has had a, uh, they've been, they've been bringing, um, basically designing bikes for the last 115 years that look a certain way. And now you've got an electric bike, you know, what are you going to do with that? Like how does Harley kind of maintain their heritage? I think is kind of what his question was and still come into this new age. And so he had a good, he didn't really say a lot actually. Ben kind of talked about his time there at Harley. He's been, I think he's been there about seven years. I just looked up his profile on LinkedIn and I think he's been working on the, from the get go, he's been on the Livewire project. So, uh, you know, came out of design school, got right onto Harley Davidson four years later doing a really cool project. It's going to be focusing them on where they're going to be in the future. But he didn't really say a lot about that future. He just said that we're kind of keeping our bikes um, styled in the Harley style to expose the motor mm. and not cover it up with stuff. Where Richard Hatfield was like, dude, we went directly into sport bikes, especially with the LS218. 
Yeah, um, I think it's it's interesting. I never thought this day would come where Harley would take on an electric bike. So it's it's cool to see them like branching out. Um, and I was talking to Wiggs about how like the styling of it looks more like a naked bike. Harley, the Harley one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's also interesting because it's not they're not really trying to go with like the cruiser aesthetic. Yeah, and he asked him about that. And he said no comment. He said, you know, uh, and, and even the lower, smaller bikes, no comment. But we're definitely branching out into Har- you know, into a Harley thing. I just read today actually that Harley Davidson has. Um, how are you guys familiar with the Habit? Not the Habit Burgers down in Hollywood, <laughs> but the Habit. It's like a nutrition company that has like the mm-hmm. guy that they just hired worked there. Um, it's like one of the largest organic like nutrition companies in the world. Where Harley Davidson has hired him as the Harley Davidson brand manager. And what Mm. they are doing is instead of Harley Davidson going out and just you're marketing your thing, there's actually a dude now that's going to go to other countries and kind of like integrate kind of Harley Davidson into that. Like, what does it mean to this culture? Okay, let's, let's work on that. Let's not try to bring like, so kind of doing like what McDonald's does. Sort of. Yes. Like uh, Muslim countries or whatever they don't have. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to feed like everybody the thing that Americans eat, you know, in Japan they have seaweeds to my friend was telling me like all the crazy stuff they have in Japanese. Uh, McDonald's. I know in France because I worked with a couple of people, one from France and one from Belgium, and they were saying at McDonald's they serve mayonnaise and butter on a lot of stuff. And mm, I was like, that's gross. gross. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, that's the best. You so guys are gross. so weird for putting ketchup and mustard on stuff. So mayonnaise and butter is on like a lot mm. of stuff there. It's, yeah, they're going to take it and market it to how they need to market it to these new places. And so, that's kind of what Harley's going to do with this, even with the smaller displacement stuff. Because in a lot of countries, the live wire is not going to sell, especially at that price. I'm sure in Hong Kong, which has like one of the highest concentration of billionaires, and Harley Davidsons are double tariff. Sure in Dubai, they'll do great. Yeah, and in Dubai, there's a lot of places like that where they're definitely going to sell. But he was kind of hinting at these smaller displacement bikes need to go to these places where people already are on stuff like that. They don't want to get on a bigger bike first off, and so you're going to be pushing a lot of stuff that's not that's not the right way to sell, yeah. you know. So he's like, you know, he kind of talked instead of talking about what's coming up, are they going to do a bagger? Are they going to do an electric bagger with all that motor space that you have right now on a CVO well, I'm and curious, bags? Like, you put know, batteries in there. Aren't there some restrictions on like um, displacement in certain countries, right? Mm-hmm. So how is that going to apply to electric bikes? That's a good question, and that's something I don't know, and that's something I think electric can use. Uh, because obviously battery and gasoline have totally different densities. And I think that's something that they can use in other countries uh, that are already kind of pushing a green thing. Like China, dude, right now China is like all about going – they've been since 2016, oh, we're going to be the new you know, Kyoto you know, compact. We're going to be the – we're actually going to try and revolutionize battery production mm. and uh, push – zero emissions and since they are a communist country they can do that they can tell everybody to quit driving so is the displacement limitation because of the carbon emissions uh well that's part of it and it's also partially because i believe uh there's not a i mean you can buy stuff over there but to buy like a harley in china costs like there's like a 100 percent tariff so a forty thousand dollar bike costs eighty thousand yeah. us which is like probably one hundred and forty thousand whatever Chinese units mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and so it's prohibitive but I've list, I've heard people talk about people that own it in countries like that that are well off and that's mm-hmm. their like over here your g wagon 
that's their they, they own a Harley, and mm-hmm. that's their way of saying, "Look, I'm a really well off right. um, Chinese businessman or Taiwanese businessman, whatever." Um, the thing is, is that the bikes are smaller already over there. Why push a bigger electric over there mm-hmm. if you don't have to and if you don't need to? It's going to make it cheaper for you to make a smaller bike and yeah. give it to a smaller market, right? So, and there's already a lot of Chinese new cars coming out that are like $7,000 US, a friggin' car that's like the size of my Scion or Wiggins' is a, you know, little hatchback. The ones that are the size of his hatchback actually are like 3,000 US. Mm, wow. And they keep everything a little bit low and I think artificially low in China for their own market, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so I've already seen there's like 40,000 electric bike companies in China already. They're really ready to flip the switch and mm-hmm. go all electric. So if Harley wants to get into this uh, and they might boost their numbers for sure. Yeah. They uh, they, this is a brilliant move. And so that's kind of what Ben hinted at. He didn't really hint at what new electric projects are going to be coming out, which Honestly, like I could care less now that they're coming out that rad 975, you know, like or whatever that 950, that thing looks sweet, that sport bike looking thing. Um, I'm stoked they're going electric, but at the same time, like I'm stoked that they're still working on a dual heritage over here. <laughs> but, you know, Richard Hatfield had some really good stuff to say. Like his biggest thing, they just launched the strike for 12,000 bucks. And he's like, my biggest thing is trying to bring something to market at that price without the capital resources that Harley has behind them. Um, and at the same time, like not letting somebody come in and to invest and own over half my company, which is the mistake that Alta did uh, to get, you know, sort of a partnership going and then it all yeah. fell out it's from underneath them. Some of those Alta bikes at the show. Like, yeah. Sweet. There was some really cool Alta bikes. Yeah. And I'm really sad that at least somebody from Alta, some former spokesman wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm really sad that Polaris and Honda have electric platforms as well as BMW. BMW has an um, electric scooter that they've had out for quite a long time. And uh, the funny thing is I think they are working on a hydrogen patented, doing patents right now for a hydrogen bike. I'm really sad that like bigger OEMs weren't there. So I'm, I'm stoked that Harley was, quote, the biggest, you know, like there. But at the same time, they were small because they're just now getting into electric bikes where there's a lot of other companies that uh i'm also curious why they didn't have anyone from zero yeah zero wasn't there um wigs what was that company we were talking about that's down in long beach that's uh it's not cake it's like fly away or something like that or fly you know who i'm talking about uh there's some company in long beach that has like a cafe racer and another one and they're barely they don't go very fast. That's a problem. Mm. And then there's also like Monday Motorbikes is down there. Yeah, I was surprised because I saw an email from Monday this week and I, there was yeah. nothing. Uh, there were so many people that weren't there. It was, you mm-hmm. know. I yeah. know. I was really surprised. I thought it would be bigger. Mm-hmm. The, like the bikes that they had um, showcased. Yeah. And they did have, Mike, I'm surprised Mike Corbin didn't talk, having one of the first electric, right? Like land speed yeah, racers. Yeah, record for 36 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and didn't get broken until lightning came along, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, 38. And had that little electric car. Yeah. And so he was that there. He had tattooed on his forearm. Yeah, I know. I thought that was so funny. I was like, he's covered in tats of stuff that he's invented. Yeah. But dude, one of the original dudes for uh, where the, the American biker began up in Hollister, Mike Corbin, he he told us to come up anytime too. I'm going to take him up. I have, he's that type of guy that I have a feeling like if he saw us again, he'd rem- 
remember us. You know what? He just seemed like that sort of old dude, but he was totally down to earth for a guy that's like a legend and, and there with his own stuff, he wasn't pumping it up. You know, he was like, Oh, you know, like I did this and this, you know, I had to, it's a, it's a great story about the, uh, the amount of silver that he had to steal from a submarine to be able to make the components on his bike. But talk about a pioneer, like he made electric motorcycles from scratch and now here all these other guys are. Uh, sadly, there, there was a mission there. And sadly, you know, uh, was it Mark Sizz that ran Mission Motors? Isn't he? Or did he, was he Motor Sizz? Were they two different companies? I thought that was Motor Sizz or something. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so there was a mission there. And I forget who did Mission Motors. But, you know, nobody was there from, from that company to talk about them either. Um, the point being, though, is that Paul de Orleans said something interesting. He's like, I feel like it's the 1920s right now. Before the Great Depression, there was like 300 motorcycle manufacturers in America. And he's like, I feel like that's how the electric bike uh, realm is right now because for American motorcycles, the biggest one is Harley, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's Indians just a little tiny piece of the Polaris in general with the slingshot and the, and Indian, they, I mean, they sell more than Suzuki, but they're still like just a tiny slice. Suzuki's mm-hmm. pitiful. And so is BMW and Ducati is even lower, you know, like there's such a small for such a household name. There's such a small yeah, slice of the market. Considering that the, the yeah. biggest one has Harley being the yeah. bike is 30 grand. <laughs> right. <laughs> like well, well yeah, but, but also Harley has like, you know, 115 years of American, uh, you know, Americana behind it. And all these other companies are also American. They sound, I think right. they feel foreign to people though. When you say electric, it doesn't matter. Like Tesla's electric, but plenty of people hate Tesla's I'm too. I'm really curious to see the direction of how this does for Harley's numbers down, you know, five yeah. Or, uh, I'm excited, period. Do that mountain bike thing that they have that's technically a motorcycle. I think that thing is pretty pimp too. Like, is that the one with like the the beach cruiser bars or the BMX style bars? Yeah, it, it looks just like a mountain bike. Yeah, they have a mountain bike and the little cruiser thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Those they have a little. I like, wasn't the mountain bike. I wasn't uh, really impressed with it. Had uh, it had a belt that was belt driven. Yeah, like, and there's and there's a lot huge. of like legit mountain bikes are yeah. belt driven now though. Really? Yeah, there's a. Uh, if you do an internal hub, it's really common, and a lot of yeah. speeds are belt driven because yeah. it's quiet and it's maintenance free, just like a belt on a motorcycle. But if you're on off roading on off, you know, uh, actually, terrain, I mean, a lot of gonna... a lot of legit mountain bikes are belt driven. Yeah, now. Really? But you know why? Yeah, because yeah. they don't stretch like a chain, right? Mm-hmm. They're quiet. They're usually carbon fiber, so they actually last. Yeah, Gates makes eight, them eighteen times longer than a chain. Yeah, they have had issues with rocks and stuff, but they redesigned the two system on the bicycle ones. Um, but yeah, so a lot of single speeds will run them because obviously they can't change gears like a traditional bicycle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a lot of people run them on internal hubs too. Yeah, and internal hubs, I mean, we, that's another f- thing we could talk about for our electric bicycle. But dude, those things are rad too. I think um, the biggest issue they're going to have is like the cake even said, you can't take it on bicycle trails. Yes. But you can't ride it on the street. So let's get into this. Dan Green, who I forgot his name in the in the notes, this originally said dude from Cake. I couldn't remember his name. And then I looked him up. I was like, oh, yeah, Dan Green. <laughs> uh, so Cake. Cake was uh, started out as a um, helmet and clothing company or something like that. Decided to sell that off and get into electric motorbikes. And based on uh, customer demand and some some you know customers wanted to find out you know more about their bikes or whatever – they had an eight-month backlog, 
and he said that they think they're going to be caught up with the current production. Now, you know, they, we sold all of our first run of motorcycles off, and then people asked for more, even at 14000 bucks. And this bike – Was that the one that was on display? That's their that new one. I don't think that's the one they sold for 14000 bucks. I was bucks. not impressed. That was like my least favorite one. Yeah, yeah. That, that was their off-road only one, right? Yeah, yeah. That was I don't the know fourteen thousand dollar one. Oh, is that okay? Because I don't know if they had one before that. You know, when he was, he was. I just list, re-listened to their uh, thing today, and I couldn't tell if he was talking about sometime in the past or whatnot. But anyway, uh, yeah. So that was their fourteen thousand dollar one. It kind of looks like a glorified mountain bike, and it actually had twenty four inch tires, which aren't dot legal. And Brian from uh, Hayes and Climber Manuals and all that stuff made a really good point. He actually talked to them about it, and he talked to the dmv about it and the dmv said to be to have a plate it has to have dot tires and uh, to be considered a motorcycle and that one with those rims they don't make dot tires in 24 inch even for dirt bikes it's like 21 uh 19 do you have any pictures 16 of, of the cake yeah i probably do um and i can pull it up probably on because if that's the one uh it was funny because when i was looking at one of the i think they only had one on display there right yeah. The cake. Yeah. yeah I that was, was the, the soft cock. Yeah, the soft cock. Uh, I was looking at it and I sl- actually was next to me. And I was like, this looks like like an Ikea bike. Like the way that it was put together, it just looked like how Ikea furniture is. And after I said that, the guy next to me, he's like, did you just call this an Ikea bike? And I thought he was going to like uh, chew me out like it was he was the creator or whatever. And he's like, I literally was just telling my buddies the exact same thing. It, it, yeah, it just like the components, the shape of it. It looks like the furniture that you get in IKEA that you bolt together, and like even the 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 uh, the fixtures, the 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 screws and stuff. Yeah, like stainless steel, certain right. color. Well, and look at this thing. It looks like a mountain bike. I mean, it doesn't look. This is this is actually kind of and the square tubing. I know Swiggins loves that stuff. This is kind of what the very first zeros look like. They were pretty much mountain bikes with the downhill rig front suspension, and that was like it. And uh, yeah, like aesthetically, it's the nothing. I mean, it's, yeah, screams at me. What do you like, think this of this, Wiggs? Cool. It's it doesn't it look like like a Kia? Like it, look, yeah. the, the shape of it is well, very again, like, geometrical. The way they did the frame. It looks like the battery's just hanging there, and then they were like, "Oh shit, it's not strong enough." So let's add a tube from the head tube down to the foot pegs. Yeah, and then, but it like even that symbol, it's like that like minimalist kind of. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, did you hear Paul Diorleans was saying that this could be a Einstler Kreivenfiber? I don't even know the guy's name. That's he what mentioned, I'm saying. but like, it's probably yeah. some German like engineer. Swedish, yeah, and you know. what annoys me is they're so like pretentious. Yeah, they're pretentious about it being fashionable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, to a point, I get it. Like, a motorcycle should look good, but <laughs> don't, like, they're, it does, it's it like, looks they're, like a, oh, you're going to see them in a, in a coffee shop on display and they're yeah. sell them there. I swear there's like, Ikea chairs that look exactly yeah, like you're that. Right. But it's, <laughs> I see it now. It's fucking ugly. It is. It's very ugly. The and colors it's 14 ugly. The grand, ugly. and you can't. Do anything with it. Yeah, that's my problem. You're going to get arrested on the sidewalk. You're going to get arrested on bicycle trails. You're going to get arrested yes. on the street. I like, feel like you could buy the components. You could source that battery yeah. and build it for way oh, cheaper. Yeah, yeah you from could Ikea. buy a box of Erector. From, exactly. You should have got them on clearance when <laughs> exactly. Toys R Us went out of business. Yep. Totally. This does look like one of those weird 
I don't even know what they're called, mechanics or whatever, like mechanic sets that you like would yeah. link the things together. But you know what? Th- this thing, it, and it's a Swedish company, and Koch, I read the whole story about it today. It is a today. Swedish company, it yeah. is for real? Yeah. Oh, okay, that explains it. Yeah. That explains uh, it. Right down the street from Ikea, that's why it's the bolts are the same. <laughs> I just read, uh, yeah, if you look at that, um, if you look at the, the frame, the back, and you look at the Konkanen, uh children's bunk bed, you'll mm-hmm. notice that they're the same. Yeah, they uh, probably yeah. had just a bunch of back stock that they bought cheap off of Ikea. I they walk through and they're like, if we take this part off this kid's bed. Yeah, this yeah. is the whole part off this chair. Yeah. Even those colors. Well, okay, like so I'll tell you about the colors. What's up with the symbol? Uh, it's a little like ansign. This is, yeah, it's like crate and barrel. It's like this is the uh, this is the Stuka dish rack from uh, row, uh, aisle twenty three in IKEA. <laughs> yeah. So kalk comes from the word like kalkstrom or something, which is uh, the Swedish word for limestone. I, I pronounced that totally wrong. That's not even close to being right. But it's pronounced cock. It's pronounced cock. The important thing <laughs> I is thought it was strong cock. Strong cock. The no, imp- it's soft cock, as the tires. Uh, yeah. Soft cock. That's what it is. And this, the story behind the bikes is that uh, that's the name for limestone, and that's probably why they got those colors of white. Uh, as as the colors. they were a helmet and jacket designer, and their helmet was ugly, and they're like, "Fuck, we need a motorcycle to go with it." <laughs> yeah. Maybe it doesn't protect you either, so it's pointless. So they're like, let's build a $15,000 pointless bike. And look at Pac-Man for cake. (laughs) Needless to say, don't buy buy a cock at this point. There's just so much stuff you can get for that kind of money that you can actually use. Yeah. And the same issue with the Harleys, like with those scooters. Now, what what they might be able to do on Harley's end because there's so much more bicycle. Swedish um, company. Is Ikea Swedish? Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. Um they might be able to get their two scooters or their bicycles um, as kind of a like that moped area, like uh, like an electric bicycle is fine, um, but like a fifty cc like scooter, yeah. basically, right? But that's one of the problems we're going to have with electric that we're already having with electric because people are like, oh, they should race them, and it's like, well, where do you put them? Yeah, Alta. I, uh, actually, Loretta Lynn's was it Loretta Lynn's well, the Bandit I last think year? They had because- to run four fifty against four fifties. They had to run against the premier class, and they're or maybe they tried to get in with two fifties. But it's like, they, okay, well, if it's faster than a 250, they're yeah. not going to let it in. They wouldn't let them in reg- at any <clears throat> any uh, at any. Well, they did level. straight rhythm on one. They did straight rhythm. That's Red Bull. But right. Red, Red Bud and Loretta Lynn's was like, we're not going to let I them run I don't know why here. they would let them run against a 450. At least to try it out. And if they got spanked, go well. Or maybe let them just do a, a 250. Um, exhibition? exhibition run. Yeah. But I, I'd be like, yeah, you want to race? You can race James Stewart on a 450. Go for it. Yeah. Like – because if if it's faster than a 450 and weighs less, then one, Alta wouldn't be out of business. And the Japs would be building bikes. Although right after that, did you see where Honda released one? They or maybe it was it. before it. They just came out with a CRF yeah. or something. CRF but 250 uh, wouldn't be electric a, bike. wouldn't be a 250. That's what they were calling it on their thing. Because it's based okay. on the same chassis as the CRF 250. Okay. And it's so the CRF 250E or something like that. They don't know like – they don't know where to put them, and then, you know, it, like with any kind of racing, like so, if you put them against a two fifty, and they could mess with the windings in the motor, and now all of a sudden they're way faster. Like they don't know what to do with yeah. any of that, and so, I, that's what they were saying too. And then one of the guys that 
makes the rules for, I don't know if it's Feld or whatever motocross, outdoors or supercross, whoever the guy is, was saying uh, it was the same guy that uh, let two strokes race back in the 80s. And he said, I think I killed racing by letting two strokes in because once two strokes came in, Honda almost went out of business as a dirt bike maker in the U.S. because all of a sudden Honda didn't make two strokes and everybody else did and the two strokes were so fast and over the years it's taken a long time for four strokes to catch up to two strokes to be as fast as a two stroke here's my thing a it didn't wipe them out but it did ruin racing for a little bit you know what i'm saying and it did ruin the way technology went for a little ruin bit it just everyone had two strokes for a while that's right and by that same token if yamaha was never allowed to run the 426 Dirt bikes would still all be two strokes when, uh, I mean, I guess four strokes are probably a better bike. Yeah. I mean, uh, they wouldn't people have pushed, are going to debate, but that's what's out there winning races right now. And they and wouldn't have pushed four stroke, stroke technology won't. to try and beat a two stroke if two right. strokes never, that's my think on it. Is exactly. like you, you almost killed it, but you so, didn't, you actually pushed so it. So you almost need to let them race because yeah. that's going to push the technology to get better. And I think when they raced the Red Bull straight rhythm it was against 250s so i don't think it was uh, it might have been against a small bike yeah because i think 250 they do 125 and 250 i don't think they do 450s at red bull if you think about it like look at and you know it's a small market that doesn't make that much money but look at rc cars how much better they've gotten in the last few years and an electric rc car will smoke a gas car (laughs) well yeah i've seen a lot of dudes in teslas trolling and yeah, smoking and that uh, in real cars i mean yeah there's that youtube channel that kid that has a model s and it's like gutted yeah yeah like it's just, so fast yeah and he like <laughs> he street races for tons of money yeah and just people get so mad because they have these like fully built drag cars and yeah. he just dust them <laughs> yeah all wheel drive just smokes them and his look stock until you open the door it's like Got it in. is stock. You just pulled the interior. Well, that's out. true. Just lighten it up. That's a true. Yeah, that's basically all I did. Because those things. That's the, that's the downside. Is that batteries weigh so much more even than a fully fueled bike. You know. But these Cox, the guy, um, the one thing that, that Dan did have to say for Cake bikes. Period is that um, they were saying, you know, Cake. How do you? You're not even like Zero, where you have dealerships. You're not like Harley, where you're obviously going to have dealerships. And even um, Bramo, when Bramo was around, Bramo had a really good dealership network what about cake like i had never even heard of cake until uh till you know that show the show and he said well that's true we sell people we do what tesla do you order your bike straight off our website and we ship it to wherever you are and he's like well what about service and stuff and he's like well we partner with um velo i I wrote it down it's like velo and then we heard hollywood electric spiel again about how there's zero maintenance except Uh, for (laughs) except for tires and fork seals and belts and bearings and well they didn't even say that that i know velo fix velo fix is the guys who come and he's like basically it's like uber not uber like amazon like yeah yeah, yeah. van pulls up and fixes your bike and then leaves like yeah basically i mean that's already happening in the bicycle stuff that's who they partnered with velofix versus bicycles which is is gonna do big in like maybe a a european uh, yeah only if they can get it street legal listen yeah because going back to this bicycle velofix fixing it look at this bike the forks are like a downhill rig and the brakes are basically like my mountain bike has these yeah, mm-hmm. this big of rotors, it basically is like a 
mountain bike. Let's, let's face it. And with those wheels and everything um, being 24 inches. They have the weight, but it's in kilograms, huh? Yeah. yeah and you can't get – you want to know how much uh, how many yeah, newton sure. meters uh-huh. this thing is? Dry. <laughs> they have a dry weight. Like you're like it matters how much it weighs without the battery in it. <laughs> like motorcycle companies do it, and I guess it's no oil either, which is pointless. But it's supposed to be a tank empty and a tank full. But yeah. that I mean, the battery weighs seventeen kilograms, and the bike and weighs the sixty fifty three. So that's a big ass. Yeah, thing. yeah. Wow. So a kilogram is seventy kilograms. Is how many pounds? Uh, quite a bit. It's times hey Siri. How many? Pounds is a kilogram. Two point two times. One kilogram is two point two pounds. Yeah, that's not too bad then. Well, I mean, that's a uh, hundred and the rest of the it's like one hundred fifty pounds. So it's mostly the battery and then. Yeah, like one hundred sixty-three pounds. That's like a light dirt bike, but still, that's a very small. This isn't like I wouldn't consider this a real. No, it's smaller. It's like an eighty cc dirt bike. So yeah. it's on. It's on point. Yeah, but it's not street legal. And it's not trail legal because That's you can't issue. red sticker this because it doesn't have DOT tires. And you can't take it on a bicycle trail because it's a motorized but what vehicle about without the pedals. the regulations in like Europe? Is it the same as far as being street legal? Dude, in Europe, you can probably – this thing's probably like – I don't know. They're stricter with a lot of stuff yeah. in a lot of countries. So I don't know. Hmm. And in America, a bicycle can't go over 28 miles per hour if hey, it's powered. And the this real thing question doesn't is, have cranks. So it's not a bicycle, but you can't register for the street. If this bike is such a waste, why are we still talking about it? I'd like to now move on to what Hollywood Electric said. <laughs> I know we just shit on Hey it? guys, we did a on cake. I wasn't even trying to like shit on it. It's just <laughs> it's pointless. You can't do anything with it. And the new one, the caulk or cock or whatever, like it might be street legal, but it's probably gonna cost twice as much. <laughs> that that's a that's a problem. That's when the you, thing too, with the new lightning two eighteen is how much? The two eighteen starts at uh 30 it's, grand and it goes up to 48 grand. Which one did you say was 12 grand or something? The, the strike starts at 12 grand and goes up to 19 grand. Oh, and is the strike smaller? The, it's not smaller, but it's like, uh, they had the 218 there yeah, at the did. show. It was really sweet. The strike is just, um, I guess, to detuned. The 218 literally is called that because it goes, it goes 218 miles an hour. No, because the one next to it went 218 miles the, an hour. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, the, and the Energicas are 18, 20 grand. You could spend four grand more. You'd have an actual motorcycle. You're not going to have a bicycle thing you can ride around. But remember a few years ago? Yeah, those Energicas were there too. They were so beautiful. Yeah, when Yamaha did like a bicycle thing with a motor in it, it was like this weird little trials bicycle thing. Yeah. And it disappeared because you couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, they still have it. And they still have an electric trials bike for sale, um, and I think Maybe that's what it was. I think I think the Honda Monte- Montessa is a, like a Honda trials bike brand. I think they might have an electric Montessa too, but it's the same thing but with it, that. Those are parody because a the, real trials bike is different. Yamaha's so was like light. it showed up. I mean, it's been like twelve years or something. Now I remember seeing. Oh wait, it, okay, yeah, I don't know I which at. one you're talking about then. Yeah, it was like was bicycle. it like a bicycle? Yeah, but it, I don't think it had huh. pedals. Huh? Because they do have a. I know they do have a. Uh, electric trials bike and you know how trials bikes are super light yeah. so for those electric and battery doesn't really ma- mm-hmm. matter if you're versus a ice because they're they're also small and lightweight well and is. you what you need is that like quick torque torque yeah and then you're also not going very far from 
anything. So yeah. I you think don't really it makes sense for a trials bike because it's yeah. you're out in the middle of the woods. You want to keep that stuff gr- green and if, not polluted, I guess. Well, you know, if you can, your battery if you can out. save the weight. But I know um, I was talking to someone not very long ago, and they were really interested in electric dirt bikes because when you're riding off road, if it's quiet, yeah. it's going to be less people complaining. You know, there was. Oh, There's God. actually a track. I'm sorry, Jay, to cut you off. No, I'll let okay. you go next. There's a track in Monterey somewhere that got noise complaints and converted to an electric only. And the zero, it's up by zero, and uh, it's got to be up there in that in the valley, Scotts Valley or something. Hmm. And so they converted to z- electric only because they were getting noise complaints like every place else does. People moved out there, and so they're <laughs> like, "Listen, we don't want to, we don't want people to quit riding, but if we can." make it so you can ride your electric bikes out here we're still going to have fun we're still going to be racing it'll just be you'll just hear people screaming you won't hear you'll hear people cheering for no reason you won't hear like rip, rip, yeah you'll just hear like yeah you know so it's interesting what people are doing and how quiet they are and how poachable some places could be on a electric mm-hmm. bike <laughs> what i'm curious did they talk about because i had to step out for a minute did they talk about like the charging systems as far as like the plugs and stuff is it going to be universal or uh, standard or I don't proprietary. think they've got a universal system yet. They, yeah. The zeros just plug into 110 and then they have uh, like a 240 plug or something or 220 plug, I mean. Almost every single motorcycle that I've looked at recently has a level 2 charger on board, but that is an onboard charger. That doesn't necessarily mean that the interface is the same. What is happening is that Tesla has their own Right. But we we had a guest we interviewed um, a few almost was it a year ago Wiggs it hasn't been quite a year ago and he works uh, he's working for uh, a company that electrify is building infrastructure right now mm-hmm. across America and he's like you know that's the biggest thing is to get everybody to agree on a plug type so that we don't have to do a separate Tesla plug versus right. a separate cuz when you pull into a gas station you should be able to do what you do with every single car right. that's gas right now that's the same thing so all of the chargers that he showed me were uh and then I've actually got a I got a chance to go to a charger bank and look at these new chargers that are putting in they have like water cooled hoses and like they're working on wireless charging mm-hmm. and all this crazy stuff and they have the same plug as far as I remember, everything <clears throat> had the same plug. And then there was a smaller charger that you leave on. These were like 15-minute chargers mm-hmm. to charge your car. But that's why they were o- water-cooled is because they are putting out so much electricity right. that like they would literally heat up your hand. Yeah, and if they made them any you. bigger, an old 90-year-old lady in her Prius wouldn't be able to lift the 50-pound hose. So he's like, we had, you know, we had to do something. The other ones that he showed me were the regular ones right now that are in like a lot of parking garages that you leave it plugged in for a couple hours. Yeah. And they do have different looking plugs, but on the inside, they're probably all, the, do I don't you know, know if they're all like the same. With those, because I don't have anything electric, uh, do you have to pay for those little charging stations? Like if you go into a parking structure or whatever? or is I think it, you do, but I think oh, it's pretty minimal. Oh, okay. Because that was going to be my next question. I wanted to ask that, but they had it was they wrapped up the question and answer session. Yes. Is they they what's wrapped the that, pricing going to be of yeah. like recharging your bike? They wrapped up the zero claims as like fifty cents for a full charge or something. Yeah, if I've done the math on it, and it's about five dollars for a full charge. So it's about what it is to fill up my b- bike on gas, and but my bike doesn't. My bike's only got like a. Two point nine, and is that going to be paid to the utilities or like how? I'm curious how that. That I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure how that works, but I'm sure that the people were who at whatever site that 
the stations on, they just like a gas station, they pay for it already, and then oh, you're okay. just paying yeah. them back for what they bought. Is how I assume things are going to work. That's the one thing about this presentation. They didn't go into any of the logistics. They didn't. That's what go- I was curious about. <laughs> I'm really curious about the logistics, like because this is a whole infrastructure that really has to be built out. Like it's cool that these bikes are getting out there and on the road and stuff, but without the infrastructure, how are people going to really start buying this mainstream? Yeah, you know, like, and a lot of people, the number one thing is like range and stuff like you know i want to take some long distance trips and i i'm really (laughs) fascinated by brian (laughs) electric terry hershner from you know the misfits he's always on their show he's got the record right now in in the u.s for longest distance traveled on an electric bike brian was have you seen his bike (laughs) i know his bike yeah his bike's way modern he's done stuff too it's not he didn't just buy it from zero and do that right so what brian was telling me though is like he's he's like you know i ride with terry and all those guys up there and and we ride all the time up there. He's like, I live right by in Scotts Valley by zero, and I'm always riding with those guys. He's like, they say on the show all that stuff, but he's like, they're always looking for charging stations. Somebody's always got a charge. It's like the yeah. buddy that forgets to gas up only when it's an I think, electric bike. I think bike. on the Misfits pod, they were talking about the. I don't remember if it was an app or a, he's, a he said they haul ass, so they aren't. When Terry got that record, just like the Vetter Fuel Challenge the dude that has that was like on a 250 ninja or something and it's because he wasn't doing 80 miles he was doing 40 miles an hour for as long as he could at that speed right Mm -hmm. at a constant speed he found somewhere to do that uh the electric guys up there are riding just like to keep up with the sport bike buddies of theirs and he's like they're always looking for Mm -hmm. chargers that's the thing when you ride it at the recommended you know 40 miles an hour you can do that you can get your 300 miles out of it or whatever um which is what some of the people Harley was claiming they will have a 300 lightning was saying you can get 300 out of his, but it's at like 40 miles an hour on a flat ground yeah, when you're hauling like ass through the twisties with your buddies Arkansas in Santa Cruz, or Alabama yeah, or yeah. Something, Which, something like that. You know, the luck. bikes do the same. If you're on a gas bike, too. Oh, yeah, if you thing- go up to Azusa Canyon, it totally changes the mileage. But, yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about that after we went to Hollywood Electric because I really grilled the dude on that. That's why he hated me so yeah. bad. But he, I was tired I really, of his like bullshit answers too. <laughs> well, uh, if Harlan but, was there, we would have got like straighter answers too. And he was at this yeah. panel, but they skirted like all the issues and they, they kind of were talking. One thing Harlan did say regarding well, sales. Well, you could tell again, like the owner of Hollywood Electric's there to sell bikes. Yeah. But actually what the guy told me when I asked him about it, if you want to ride something like that, like if you want to ride – uh, two or three or four hundred miles in a day, um, it's not the bike for that. Yeah, he was just. It took him a minute, but he finally just was like, "Yeah, that's not a very good bike for that." Yeah. Oh yeah. He, if you're commuting back and forth to work every day, it's perfect. He told us he does a 180 mile commute, and that's good, right? He yeah. Does, or, or 160 because he does 80 miles each way, but he plugs yeah. in at work all day. And he's like, yeah. You know, so he rides cool. to work and he plugs in and he and rides cool. home and plugs in. Yeah. But he did so, tell us that if you're Driving from here to Sturgis, it's going to take like you a week. Out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Hollywood Electrics, the thing that he said is that, you know, how cake is selling directly to the consumer and then you're on your own. You know, you have Velo Fix come. Hollywood Electrics said, you know, people have been coming to us for, they've been open for their longest electric dealership in the u.s right now Mm -hmm. and he said that he's seen people change over the last uh 10 years where it used to be like ev nerds and uh people like that coming in to check it out that were already into 
electric motorcycles mm-hmm. and cars and like geeking out on it. And he said in the last 10 years, he's seen, especially with the zero SRF and the way the zeros are changing to look better, that more people are like, whoa, I want to come in. I want to like ride well, this thing. I used thing. to live at a few blocks away from Hollywood Electrics. And every time I would ride past there, there were always people over there. Yeah. So like, and that was like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And and seven or eight years ago, it was a very different. Um, I met I met them in two thousand seven when Bramo was being sold at Best Buy in El Segundo. They really, they said, you know, we're going to start selling Bramo at Best Buys. Um, and I met them down there. And at that time, Hollywood Electrics, you could buy Native kits, which I don't even think Native is around anymore. Bramo had the inertia. Um, they had a bunch of e bicycles and stuff. It was a very different place. And now I'd have to say that they are. Basically, the um, zero. Yeah, they're they're a zero (laughs) heavy dealer. They've got Ubco's and they got some other stuff in there, but they're zero heavy. And um, I don't know. I just I feel like it was a very different place back in the day. I think a lot more nerds would have gone there. Yeah, I remember in my building in West Hollywood, there was somebody who had an electric bike, and I didn't know it was electric at first. But every time it was right when I first started riding, and um. I pulled into the garage and I was like, why is that bike plugged into the outlet? Yeah. <laughs> I was so perplexed. Yeah. And I had to like ask the guy, I was like, what is this? Cause this was before I had ever seen an electric bike on like out in the wild. But uh, it's really cool to see like that this is growing. I just want to see the infrastructure and like the plans for the logistical. Well, yeah. I seen, yeah. And you know, it's, it's growing, it's growing a lot. Um, the guys, I, I, I used to listen to the doghouse a lot. I listened to him once in a while. Um, they, the guy that is the creator of that show used to be a racer, dirt bike racer. And he's like, um, I basically love when you guys talk smack about electric stuff. Cause it is the future. And I own, he has a Tesla and he checks the chargers all over. He's like, there's chargers everywhere on the, what are you guys talking about? Like I could <laughs> own an electric motorcycle and ride all around here if I wanted to, you know, cause they're always bad mouth and electric too. And it's, it's funny. I don't know. To me, it's just like, it's here. You just got to know where to look for it. There's that plug share app. And they didn't really talk about that. They kind of talked about how electric bikes, the cake being a prime example is one of the ones where you can take a, a motorcycle that's has been designed to look a certain way for the past, you know, a hundred and 20 some odd years. Or he said since 1818, which I can't think he must mean the Dion tricycle that came out in 1818 but um you know you're taking something that's been around for that long and like totally change it the thing is i don't want i don't want motorcycles to look weird like i don't want to ride something weird like that toaster yeah oh yeah that mirrored (laughs) toaster i don't want to ride something like that like look at this srf though i mean Mm -hmm. like bam like this thing's beautiful that's the new one right yeah i think that thing looks really good it does it looks to me a lot like this the bramo impulse did and uh i can't a little bit. I, I like – I mean obviously some things design-wise have to stay, right? Like a seat's that way for a certain reason. Your bars are that way for a certain reason. Yeah. But when it comes to the motor, I felt I, – I actually, I really like the way Harley did it with the live wire. But some people didn't know what to do. Like yeah. the old zeros, that yeah. cake. Like I don't care what kind of design awards that thing won. Like if that's all you can do around that battery – then you need to figure something else out. Yeah, and I'm also curious, like, down the road, too, the batteries are going to shrink. So it's like they were saying on the panel that it's going to open up 
for a lot of create creative energy. To well, and one of the problems void. with zeros, he's like, yeah, you can't put a new battery in it. Like it, it's not yeah. it's not forward compatible with new battery stuff. So especially not this SRF. It doesn't look like like the old ones. They tried to make it backward compatible for 2013 to 2017. Yeah. Or sixteen to night eighteen, but this one totally not. This one well, doesn't. I, I'm not even thinking like they're actually going to shrink. I think they're going to get more powerful and stay the same size, more dense, at yeah. least for a while. They'll stay the same size, but there'll be more power inside of there. So you're going to either have more horsepower at the wheel or a longer range, yeah. or both or actually, both, depending on how you ride. Yeah. yeah, but you know, same with the motors. Like you're probably going to want to be able to swap those out at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the new Zero looks good. Like, uh, the thing that annoys me about that and the live wire is the gas tank looks like a gas tank, but it's not really a gas tank. Yeah. Like, is that, like, is there stuff it, in there or is uh, it just for aesthetics? There's storage in there. Some of, some of the Zeros are storage. The, and some of them are quick chargers. The live wire has, like, wires and shit under it. Yeah. I like, you know, if you can stuff a helmet in there, like uh, Honda yeah. actually does that on their NC700X, like the gas yep. is under the seat. Yep. So you can put a full face helmet yeah. in the gas tank storage. That whole thing's pretty big. Yeah. So they're they're pretty decent, but, you know, that one, it has like little radiator shrouds on it and stuff. And it looks good because of those things, but it's like, man, it also looks. Yeah. Well, and it might even have some, you know, Hollywood Electrics have done, I tried to get Bobby on the show a couple times but that dude is so dang busy he's the guy him he used to tune their isle of man bike the suspension on it and now he's busy tuning like all the moto america guys and like all the club guys out at Chuckwalla and everybody else in between and traveling all he's he's traveling across the country in his van being a mobile suspension dude but he did the isle of man bike for hollywood electrics and harlan flag helped do some fairings for them uh, for the race bikes and some really experimental stuff. And he, they had a, a water-cooled motor or a water-cooled some sort of like casing that they made for the Zeros to be racing them at that speed so that the uh, controllers wouldn't overheat and all that stuff. So, I mean, they've already been modifying these things. Well, I'm curious, like, once – because, like, starting out, the production costs for the, the, mo- the battery and stuff are going to be higher. But once they get that dialed in – does that mean that we can start seeing some higher end like forks and shocks, suspension, other elements that they can start? Yeah, and I mean, what's what's to there? stop you from swapping out? Like Wigan swapped out his Harley forks for R six forks or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, my sporty. Yeah. So what's for you stopping you from buying a zero and going to all balls and figuring out what that well, is? Well, I'm and just saying, some... like the the bikes should be coming out with better yeah. elements on it. People are gonna. Well, I think that's one of the things with the new SRF is it actually has radio mount brakes and good sized disc and mag yeah. wheels. And it's got like some sort of like weird IMU thing that's working. It's basically like taking S1000RR technology and throwing it on this bike. And a lot of people. What's are, the price point of the SRF? That one starts at I know like it's more than 19 or something See, like that. See, that's still not bad though. Yeah. yeah. I, I would save nine grand and buy that over at Livewire. Yeah. yeah. Are these bikes tunable? Like. Are oh you, yeah. yeah, dude! Like that's the thing is like the nerds like you can crack these. They're, they're not if you know, but programming. Yeah, right. but they don't sell. But like to add horsepower, like you're going to lose range. Right. Yeah. Right. Just and like honestly, anything else. Just like a you right. know. You know we didn't get out on the freeway, right. but we rode the, the SRX, Supermotos. the Supermoto one. Yeah. 
The thing was a blast around town. Yeah. Like it, it would FX, get up and move. FXS, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I'm wondering, do they sell, have they sold aftermarket like no, tuners no yet? No one's, not mm-hmm. yet. You not just that have I know to be a nerd of. and know yeah, the That's what it is. Dude, all those guys up in Santa Cruz are the nerd. The guy, the Terry Hirschner bud yeah. crew. Yeah, well, I'm not smart enough to crack it, so Dude. I want something aftermarket. Well, yeah, you also don't want to fry your electrics. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's the same dudes that like write maps for ECUs of regular bikes. Mm-hmm. Like those nerdy guys that just sit around and like do some stuff like that's all that's why that's why harlan made the comment that it started you know when hollywood electric started it was a lot of nerds and you used to be able i'm saying the native s was a rolling chassis and then you would go to hollywood electrics you'd buy your motor do you want a 48 uh watt motor or kilowatt motor do you want a 72 like you could get it you could get your controller get your throttle you get everything and put your bike together and i was pricing them back then and i think it was only six thousand bucks back then but then again a brama was only six thousand bucks back then this was like in 2007 so it's a good decade ago mm-hmm. so it's not like the prices um i guess if you judge for inflation all that stuff it's about you know Twelve thousand bucks in nowadays money, which is still not too bad. But the thing is, is that you could have built yourself a kit bike. You know, it still wouldn't have been as bitching as some of this because you wouldn't have had a, you would have had to build your own IMU and you know all this and that. But the thing is, is that now this stuff's rolling off the showroom floor, and I I feel like Paul de Orleans. This whole thing was kind of like an introduction to what's already there. But I feel like that's kind of what people needed. You know, mm-hmm. like. But then again, there was some concept bikes there. And just like at the OG Moto Show, there was some terrible stuff there that was gas, <laughs> gasoline <laughs> engine. There was some terrible stuff with this electric thing too. I think a motorcycle is a motorcycle, and some people can do some terrible things to mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. and call them a motorcycle still. But the thing is, is like he said, there are hundreds of EV people making EVs, and it's not like the old days where you, you know, if you had to make your own motor and you had to go cast some. Uh, crankcase and some heads in the backyard then machine it out mm-hmm. is one thing for this you need a controller an electric motor help people are making them out of lead acid you know mm-hmm. huge square batteries and old um like grinder motors and stuff like mm-hmm. i've seen a i've seen plenty of diy electric bikes uh from the past few years before like really nice oem electric bikes were were on the market and i don't know i think the future they were talking about you know with Harley for sure getting in this and there's like the biggest OEM in it right now, even though Honda has been in it secretly and they're taking their time and KTM has that free ride that they're still kind of like hiding. You know, there's other OEMs that sell more bikes than Harley that have done it, but Harley for sure is a worldwide name that everyone recognizes that's jumped on board here. And I think that was kind of what they're saying. This is a new time in motorcycling. Hate it as much as you want. But uh, electric is coming, dudes, and there's a lot of crazy stuff um, that came out of this, um, basically came out of this Yeah, talk. it's interesting. I've been looking at, like, uh, comment sections on some of the articles about the Harley Livewire, and it's like there's usually three different people. There's the ones that are, like, hardcore loyalists to the gasoline motor and are like, I hate it. I will never ride it. Then you have the people who are like, yeah, I totally embrace it. And then there's people who are like, I like it, but it's not for me. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that conversation going on in the Harley community. I'll tell you what, for me, for a lot of people, if you could tell them that, uh, that this bike would be 8,000 bucks, 
I think a lot of people would go for that. But you know yeah, what a lot of people are saying too? Hard. Is the, the live wire is only for, it's not for two up. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, yeah. A lot of people were saying, I hadn't even considered that. That's also interesting that they went that route. But you have to figure, he wouldn't give any details, but you have to figure that they have a huge, gigantic beggar platform. Take all the motor and tranny out of that because the tranny on this is basically the motor. You know what I'm saying? There's like not really a tranny. It's a one-speed motor that is the tranny. That's the direct drive. All you need before that is batteries and a controller, right? And Mm The controller controls the battery and the charging and all the inputs. So you could use all that. You could make a pretty good bagger. The problem is, is that dudes that ride baggers, oh. like my buddy <laughs> that converted from sport bike to bagger, he wanted to change. Right. He didn't want to be cramped on the sport bike around riding here to Las Vegas when all the time. A bagger and a live wire aren't really comparable. Yeah, and he even yeah. said, like, the Ben the guy said. Point, I mean, I know a lot of people that commute on them, but the whole point of a bagger is to ride from here to Vegas yeah. or mm-hmm. here to here. Sturgis. Sturgis. Yeah. Which is why I New think York. they went with like the naked bike aesthetic. Especially right now with the range, I mean, you, you can't do that. With the range and charge time, you know, if they get down to a 5 or 10 minute charge time and a 200 mile range on the freeway, then yeah, you can put that platform yep. in a bagger. Yep. But... It's gonna, it will come if it comes to the if better if the technology gets there or when it gets there, then sure. Mm-hmm. Every probably everybody will start getting back into baggers and stuff. Like Honda's Goldwing yeah. will be a. I actually electric. think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think this is the last generation of gasoline Goldwing. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they didn't go to some kind of hybrid. No one Honda. I know, but um, since the Goldwing platform usually lasts so long, I mean, if you think about it, the last platform essentially lasted 18 years. Yeah, and they won't get rid of this. I mean, they they had a, a small change in 2010. Yeah. Um, you know, so 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, they're not going to do a new gasoline Goldwing. They're going to switch up to electric. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's definitely happening, you know, like it or not. But I think it's happening and it's for the better and it's going to be good in the long run. And, you know, I think, you know, I'd love to have a little electric bike for the track. Like the RC51 is a blast, but there wouldn't be anything wrong with going to Willow and riding some around for 20 minutes and charging it for 40 and, and going back out. Yeah, in between you know, sessions, right. If you had something that was on yeah, par with that. I'd love that. to take a zero around Streets of Willow or Willow Springs or something. It'd be a good time. Dude, you could hear the birds chirping up by the balcony and shit. Like, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. Um, to wrap this up, we we left the show listening to, uh, I better, this is copyrighted probably, to uh, to wrap up, we left the show. Chris and I made the mistake of uh, <laughs> talking to Dave from Cerberus Moto. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, we almost didn't leave till Friday, which is when Jay <laughs> was actually at the uh, Lyndon Poskett affair, right? Or were you, were you uh, there yeah. on Saturday? Uh, it was the I think it was Friday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was the next day because I did back to back events, and I was like, oh wow, <laughs> big time in it. I know. So Jay went to Lucky Wheels and. Hung out with Lyndon Posca. Yes. Let's hear a little bit about that. So it was at the Lucky Wheels Garage, which is the the best and only DIY garage in LA. Right now, uh, is Moto Chop Shop DIY? No, they're just like friendly to you, right? They're not. They're not DIY. I think Lucky Wheels is the only DIY. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, I rode up, and the first thing that struck me was number one, they started opening the side. Um, 
property up for, for bike parking, which is something that I think they did after the women's show because the first women's moto show to, that they did there, <laughs> literally hundreds of yes. bikes were parked in the center divider of yeah. the street. Like 1,200, I think they said. Or yeah, and so the, the local authorities were not, and neighbors were not happy about that. So they started getting... Uh, the next door property, I guess they rented out. Um, so there, that was cool. And the bikes that I noticed were all it, mostly ADVs, adventure style bikes. So it was a totally different vibe than a lot of the events that I've gone to at Lucky Wheels. Uh, just seeing the people there were very different than the usual types of like choppers and Harleys and um, more of the dirtbag style bikes. Um, but my dumbass, instead of parking, are you calling in, Lucky Wheels dirtbag? <laughs> no, I'm just saying some of the people that go there, and I say that lovingly. I consider myself to be dirtbag adjacent, if not fully full on dirtbag. <laughs> um, but so I see all these bikes parked in the side lot, and uh, usually when I've gone to Lucky Wheels, I park on the sidewalk right in front of the building. So I saw two um, big uh, GSs, and I parked right behind them. Um, where, where I usually park, and then about 10 minutes in, somebody comes, this is just a side tangent, but somebody comes in and is like, hey, if you parked on the sidewalk, you better uh, move your bike because they're riding tickets. So I run outside, and of course, the only bike and the first bike to get a ticket was yours truly. <laughs> you're waving your middle, your yeah, orange, your like, orange glove. You're like, wait, officer, wait, officer. And he's like seeing the orange glove and he like writes it real fast. Did yeah. you really get a ticket? I did. I got a parking ticket. How you get fired on I Friday know. at your day off. Seriously. And I was trying to talk and he's like, I already took a picture of your bike. It's too late. Giving me the whole spill. So How did like, you okay. get fired when you weren't even right? Or a uh, ticket when you weren't even right? So I was a little bit, I know I, my girlfriend was like, you are a ticket magnet. And I was like, I don't know. I don't like being that. But, um, I like this segment, Jay. <laughs> Keep going. So I kind of was in a sour mood about that. But um, it was it was a very different vibe. And so when I got in, I was like, okay, what is this? I hadn't, to be honest, I hadn't heard of Lyndon Poskett before. I didn't know who he was. So I turned to my girlfriend. I'm like, uh, did you... How did you know about this guy? I was like, he's did a you Dakar know? rally dude, right? Right, I mean, right. But he, I was like, did you know who he was? And she's like, no, I've never heard of him before. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, so we're both sitting here. We have no idea who this guy is or what's happening. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. But I was actually very happy about it because it was really cool to just get an insider's view into this whole um, community because um, I really didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about him. And he was a hell of a guy. Super, super intelligent, super smart, super awesome. He basically has lived the lifetime of like 30 people all in one. And he's barely, barely 40, I believe. Um, but he's uh, ridden the An 18th of my age. <laughs> he's ridden several Dakar what do they call those races uh, rallies rallies there you go Dakar rallies he's ridden several of them so that's what he's mainly known from he has a um, very popular YouTube channel which he basically films like all different elements of his racing his adventures his bike building um, he's an uh, aerospace engineer by trade yeah so super super smart guy and um, he created this uh, race 
uh, ride that he calls Races to Places. And basically, he talked at this presentation. He talked about what it was, how he did it, and how it's actually something that's very achievable by the everyday person if you know how to like prepare for yeah. it. And I'd like to say it. it's a it's a more highly funded Moto Geo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was interesting because he did, he, b- being an engineer, he broke down basically everything. Like, he broke down how many mills he had on the road, like the miles he traveled, how many tires he went through, um, like uh, the money he spent on various different things. It's so, almost like he likes to track numbers or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he'd want to do that as an engineer. <laughs> yeah. But um, basically his his story to sum it up was he was an aerospace engineer. Um, he had been racing and doing motorcycle stuff since he was like 10. But his day job was like in a cubicle and he was just miserable and not happy. And that's when he created the, the races to places ride. Did you guys ask him like, you know, is it a thing, like, are you planning on doing one of these things? Is it something, like, you guys could do, like you could do? Um, What, for, like, me personally? Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, Ashley and I have been wanting to travel and just, like, quit our jobs and do this stuff. Like, when he was playing some of the videos and the footage of it, and we've actually started watching his YouTube channel, just every night I just go to bed and I'm, like, dreaming, like, how can we make this a reality? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, What kidney can I sell? Yeah, we're he, watching season 10. Episode one right now. Yeah, he has traveled. I mean, you really, to get a feel for it, you really have to go to his website, which is um, lindenposkettracing.com, I believe. And you can see there's a map of basically everywhere he's been. He's been on pretty much every continent all over north, south, east, west. I've been in continent too. It was no fun. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, on continent. So yeah, that's Um, that's a different story. And so he, um, yeah, he, so he has the map on there and he, he just talks about his adventures. He talked about the different issues that he had. Um, but the thing is, is he rides a, uh, KTM, let me pull it up here. Oh. It was a 2007 KTM 690 rally factory replica, but that's what his bike, the platform that it's based on. Yeah, yeah. But he, you, oh yeah, the Dakar bike basically sounds right, like. But uh, he actually modified it and pretty much built it around his specifications. Rad. So it's not a, a factory stock bike it is something that he did build he does all of his maintenance he made a lot of parts um the videos are really cool because it shows him just wrenching on his bike and like getting in there tearing the the motor just down all the way down building it all the way back up upgrading it so forth um but yeah so he's been all over the place uh riding he talked about some of his injuries that he had he actually had a cast on when he was presenting <laughs> how funny that and he was, rode there right i mean uh i don't know if he rode to lucky Wills. i was pretty sure he did but maybe he i'm didn't. not sure he had helmet hair looking helmet looking hair that's just from being a pro rider for the past <laughs> few like 20 years <laughs> um but yeah so he his last injury was I think he said like a frac something fractured in his hand, and I think it he said it happened in um, South Africa on a really nasty fall that he had. Did you feel like you were like 
you know, some camaraderie with him a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. He's he's broken a lot of things. It made me feel less bad about falling down recently because he showed a lot of the videos. He basically did a super cut of all of the different falls that he had. Yeah. Uh, at least like summarized to some degree. And it was pretty, pretty funny yeah. because there were a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Wait. I don't feel as bad. Yeah. You can't travel the globe unless you're willing to fall a couple times. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, but he, so he did the numbers, going back to the numbers, and this is what he said, but he crunched the numbers. He said, after five years of doing the races to places and traveling to everywhere and in between, the calculation that he figured was $118,000 total for five years, which broke down to $80 a day. Dang, that's right. doable. But the only thing that he didn't account for were he had tire sponsorships. So his tires were paid for, and he did have some of the other... Well, shoot, that could be $80 a day. So. <laughs> yeah, and he did have a few other things that were paid for by um, by uh, the different companies that he's sponsored by. So I don't know how much of that what the, those numbers were because he didn't talk about that you know what i listen to a lot of adve- like adventure rider radio uh it's a another podcast and they uh are friends and and regularly interview people that um kind of blog for a living and it's amazing what you can get people to pay for actually or if you get yeah. a book deal this sort of advance that you can get if you have like a good outline and like a good plan of what you're going to write and mm-hmm. an interesting something interesting to say they people will actually publishing companies or um manufacturing companies will donate stuff so that you'll mention it when you're writing yeah. your memoir yeah, I mean, or whatever so yeah PR you'd be surprised them, you know if you can stick to it and be consistent clobman pickles lets me uh <laughs> gives me a free jar of pickles Pickle every power. year when i mention that if you want to win a race put a clobman in your face um, but yeah, yeah, so like if you go to his website, he, he like I said, he's such a smart dude. He puts all, so much information out there. He really just was very um, like clear and concise about all of this. I was just like information overload. I mean, I'm still processing <laughs> it, and it's like been a week. Yeah. Um, but it was just really cool, and I like some of the things he said that stuck out to me. Was he talked about how when he was traveling to some of these places, like he, a lot of his friends, like especially in uh, South America, some of those areas, and like uh, like in Iran, and I don't know where exactly over in the Middle East. That when he was going to travel over there, a lot of the friends and and people that he knew were like, "Oh, you need to watch out." You know, you go there, you're going to get robbed. And and on the show, it shows him, like, when he enters, uh, crosses a border, like, it says you're entering whatever country it was. Good luck. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, dang. He says that on the border sign. <laughs> so he's like, oh, I hope this he is He was a little gonna, worried, right? Yeah. But he, 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 basically, the sentiment was that, like, treat others how you want to be treated. And basically, people gave him, they fed him. They gave him places to stay. There were a lot of times where they got to places later than they had expected and they weren't sure if they wanted to camp that night because of the terrain and that they met some people just on the road and started up a conversation and the people were like, oh, yeah, you can stay in our, you know, our uh, our barn or our shed or whatever. Dude, from Bolivia to Budapest, that is what uh, the people on that show talk about. 
you never listen to what people say. You never listen to the news. You never watch the news for Pete's sake because yep. it'll discourage you from going to a country. Yep. And once you get into the country, uh, very few people have had bad, like real bad stuff yeah. happen to them. And you know what? I think that if that should be a testament to how friggin' awesome motorcycles are. Yeah. Because I've heard that not just from him, but I've actually heard lots of people say that who've been in similar situations where they traveled, like even across America and they've been to some areas. I've heard it from a lot of females who have said that they've traveled and be like, oh, you know, if you're a woman on a bike, you know, don't go by yourself. Don't travel to these areas. And I've spoken to so many women who have been like, I've had totally met, not I've true. made friends on the road yeah. who they see me as a woman riding by myself and they're like, Man, like where are you going? What are you yeah. doing? And I myself Or they want to help you more, maybe. Yeah. You know, and like, I I myself, even just in Los Angeles, even though that's like where I live and work, I still like just random strangers come up to me and they just want to talk to me and they like commend me on it because they're like, You're so small, but you ride this bike and it's loaded down like it's a freaking R V. Yeah. And like uh so it's really, yeah, like don't watch the news. Don't believe what the news says about all these different countries in these areas because it's like 90% <laughs> of the time it's not true. And as we talked about people. earlier, don't ride in downtown L.A. because <laughs> it's uh, basically like a post-apocalyptic well, wasteland. <laughs> you just got to ha- have confidence riding down there. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't dissuade someone from doing it if they were set on it, but just be warned that to just be ready be prepared and that's the same thing you know as he his number one thing is if you want to do something like this you want to do adv riding you want to do adventure riding traveling long distance be prepared i think that's what he started off on and that's what he ended on yeah um he said preparation is key and um it's really going to pay off and he talked about i think the first time that he did the dakar rally that he was totally unprepared and pretty much wanted to quit because it was just so intense physically mentally emotionally um he was just exhausted and he hadn't prepared for that and um yeah so like even on the video here he shows about how he modified some of his luggage bags his luggage racks yeah to be and able he's to- meticulously tore his bike apart like down to every little mm-hmm. filter and like yeah i see the engineer coming out um, one of the challenges that we're going to have, I didn't want to tell you guys because we're going to abandon the brake challenge. Um, <laughs> and we're going to, I decided to maybe make some more practical challenges and oh, our challenge is going to be, we have to moto camp in downtown LA. Oh, I practically do that as it is. <laughs> I you gotta, gotta leg up, you man. Gotta, I know all the spots to Moto go Geo to. said it was the scariest thing he ever did. You gotta, <laughs> dude. After driving down there this weekend, I believe it. You gotta, uh, <clears throat> you gotta go down there and fight off a v- encampment of hobos to uh, set up your spot. Well, on I a have corner. made friends with some local hobos, so I think I I'll bet be fine. You certainly have. <laughs> And uh, no, it's yeah. funny whenever I ride through Skid Row because I ride through it so frequently because I literally they see the banana I, and they're like, Dude. yeah, they do. They're always like, do a wheelie. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's so many potholes here. I don't want to kill myself. Yeah, I'm gonna come down and just keep going 20 feet underground. Um, yeah, that sounds rad. If you get a chance, check it out. Races to places. Uh, apparently, there's 10 seasons of it. But yeah. um, well, the thing is, he talks about how once he started filming. It just became like uh, there. He got such a big following. He really does almost have like a cult following. Like the, yeah. everyone that pretty much ninety percent of the people that were there 
knew him, were like avidly following him. Someone had traveled over 500 miles to get there oh, just to see him. On Friday? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, so a lot of people were just really fanatical about him. And that community is like really tight-knit. Like everybody was just like talk, practically knew everybody else. Yeah. And they were all friendly and talking to each other. Um, but yeah, so it was really cool. It was good to see something different, something that I was wouldn't normally think that I would be going to see. And yeah. Yeah. ADV is one of those kooky, like not necessarily niche, but within the motorcycle world, even it's like a specialty of a specialty where, yeah, yeah you well, get- and Ashley and I have been dreaming like the last year, our goal has been to like somehow get two ADV bikes because yeah. we want to do it so bad. We definitely want to like buy triumph scrambler, convert her bike into a triumph That's scrambler. What I, was, I was like, I'm gonna, I've, I've already been googling how to convert the SV650. I was gonna say, wait, <laughs> didn't they make an SV like, didn't they make an SV that was kind of like a super not well, it wasn't super moto, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. it had like uh, one of the years. Liza it talks about it a lot of time. Yeah, I right? seen they a guy. Made a, I don't remember what it's called though. I seen yeah, it's like when it went from the the V. Well, they were saying uh, the research that I was doing is that they were saying the V-Strom platform yeah, the is very similar to the SV. I think it's the same motor and stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it's it just as far as the suspension. And then Yamaha and the wheels. did the um, the FJ yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. Those are great bikes. Yep, for the there money are a couple too. of those there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Honda did the NC seven hundred X and the NC five hundred X. CB five hundred X and C seven hundred X. Both great. I do have to say uh, both was, redesigned actually for yeah, this year. It was too. very entertaining to see these giant S uh, giant GSs like the twelve hundreds loaded up all the bags and everything, and then my SV <laughs> loaded up because I had been traveling that day for my other job, so I had my big ninety liter bag on there, and so I and my uh, Krieger bag on top, so. It's like this little naked bike in between these giant SVs. Yeah. Uh, the giant GS is loaded, but my bike was loaded up just as much as the other bikes. So I was like, I'm kind of a misfit here, but still kind of fit in. It I, was it I, was kind of funny. I was just watching a video the other day um, on Reddit of a dude on an R1 doing the Dakar like in 2016 or 17. And so it just depends what you have. Yeah, and you, you gotta got. have heart, you know. And yeah. uh, so I'm definitely interested. On this year, they had some Harleys at the Mint 400. I, yeah, I know that was so rad to watch. Like it just, just it's what you're willing to. Yeah, endure. and I mean, I have a love for the road and traveling and adventure. That's definitely deep in my blood. And I mean, Ashley and I say like, if we didn't have all of our animals, because we have a fucking whole house full dude, of dude turn them loose in the wild that's up. where they belong well we're just <laughs> gonna out, get a trailer for a ride for <laughs> we're just gonna trailer them behind us <laughs> god let's wear one of those backpacks with like the mesh things um yeah no it sounds like a lot of fun and our challenge the linden poskett uh, la challenge you know that movie escape from la mm. we're gonna do the escape from the uh, escape the wasteland creative writing <laughs> challenge where we're gonna have to go we're gonna have to moto camp overnight and whichever one of us survives on uh, $25 is going to be the winner of that challenge and sadly uh, the winner in life because the other two will be dead. Um, <laughs> Double fight. Nice yeah. fight. So hopefully you learned some good stuff from Lyndon and I think he's got a book out. Was he promoting a book? Yeah, he's talking about writing a book. Um, he's putting it oh, together. He, doesn't yeah, have it? he hasn't okay. written it yet. I thought he had one out. That's next on the docket. He's also engaged so he's talking about that, how excited he was. Where's this dude getting all this time? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. That's what I was like. Does he have kids? Where? No. That's 
that's where he's gonna okay he literally is just on that bike practically 24 7 he's really dedicated i was just impressed with how dedicated and in love with two wheels he is and it inspired me just literally. to go even harder like yeah literally that's that is his kid <laughs> um not not uh, 48 hours later we had another moto event our own hooligan racer chris wiggins was out at the uh, yeah, ramming springs. speed classic mm-hmm. track day at willow springs you did not go to the saturday night festivities i did not i just went up sunday morning how was so. the drive it was dark good, and cold. How yeah, early did you get there? I got there at 6.45. I left the house at 5 o'clock. Oh, that's not bad. Not too no, shady. And that was stopping at the gas station and stuff, too. But you so. rode there? No. Uh, I drove up in my truck. Because okay. so, I didn't know what condition the bike was going to be in when I left. And I had to take a bunch of gear. So, You know what? And the, the last When's the last time you touched that bike? The last time you did a track day? Uh, no, I, when my truck was in the shop, I rode it, uh, oh, okay, home okay. from the shop and then back to the oh, shop okay, to get okay. my truck. But pretty much last time I did a track. That is so rad. You had a, you had a rapid deployment vehicle ready in the truck and then you just loaded <laughs> yeah, it right back Yeah, that's how, when I need maintenance, I can drop the truck <laughs> that's off. That's awesome. I unload the bike and drop the truck off. That's rad. Uh, so how, you know, typical track day, I've seen some, I've seen a little bit of his Instagram videos, um, but it looked like it was a pretty damn fun. It and was, yeah. There was a lot of people there. Yeah, because it's uh, a, it's the it last one busy. for the Arma race. Yeah, the and then he also, uh, it was with the Apex Assassins, and um, so there was a little bit more modern bikes there. So they had a few guys out with those guys, but yeah, it was good. I mean, it was super fun. The RC last time I rode it. I just thought it was because it was a faster bike, which was part of it. It was kind of sketchy. It felt weird under braking. And uh, Brady's mechanic or like suspension guy was there. So I had him check it out. I lifted the front of the bike up first. Oh, where'd I go? What happened? Okay. Um, so yeah, I lifted the bike up. I told him what I wanted to do. And he was like, when you start rolling on the throttle, is it real hard to like keep it turned? It wants to stand up and go wide. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, he's like, okay, then what you're doing is right. So I dropped the forks down, lifted the front of the bike up, and then um, he kind of pushed on it a little bit. And uh, then he, it was like 40 bucks, but he um, softened the rear up, set the sag on the front and rear, um, stuff like that. And then um, kind of showed me some issues with the forks that were going on. So, which they've got a leaky seal anyway, so they need rebuilt. So I'm just going to take them to him and he's going to help straighten them out. But which one of your bikes doesn't have a leaky fork seal? I don't know. <laughs> the ones with normal sided forks. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it made the bike feel way more comfortable, especially under braking. Um, and then corner exit two, it just kind of went where I wanted it to go. Dang, um, that's rad. Which meant I was able to go a little bit faster. Yeah. But it, it was nuts, man. That bike is fast. Yeah. It's so much fun. So fast, um, but it's just fun for me to go out and do something different, and you know, push myself in a different way than what I'm used to. And you know, since I don't really ride on the street that much anymore, like track days and stuff, or what? Uh, what gets your you know? gears turning, right? Yeah. And as we said, you know, it was nice to have Brady on last week because he could kind of, you know, we know he's a fun time on the show, and and it's just that much fun at the track days as well. Uh, 
And so I can only imagine. I saw some of the cool bikes they were doing uh, going out there. Uh, I think they were like there, doing the group three stuff. There was some wacky stuff, like an old cop bike was out oh, there. Oh, yeah, there and, was a cop bike. And then in the group one, uh, Wooly from Deus had his new oh, Sutter. Right. He said he was going to MX have him out there. Yeah, something, yeah. M something. So a 500 the, V4 two stroke. Yeah, that's the MX. Yeah, me. open, dry you, clutch, carbon fiber body work. Oh, God. Like, those things are ridiculous. And then pitted next to him was a Desmo Sedici, um, which was that limited edition V4 Ducati when V4 didn't, or when Ducati didn't, didn't make, make a V4. V4 right. Yeah, right. it was a. I think it was actually technically the first production street legal MotoGP bike. Technically, I'm not real sure because no one really made a production two-stroke back then. So, um, but yeah, both of those were there just ripping. So that was super cool. How did that suitor um, sound, dude? Like a V4 two-stroke? Know, I mean, going by in the pits, it sounded cool. Out on the track, it didn't sound as amazing as I thought it was going to. Yeah. I thought it was just going to sound like a big swarm of bumblebees yeah, just yeah. ripping. And it didn't sound a lot different than the four strokes. Huh. I was kind of surprised. But um, it was cool, man. It looks so rad. But I'd hate to, <laughs> this, I'd hate this to have video to fix it and get parts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because uh, those, the five the two-stroke ones were were only limited run for the cup or whatever so they made 99 of them yeah. on his little badge yeah yeah and then the four-stroke one is the one they are doing for moto gp but yeah dude like, oh sutter making a four-stroke too yeah mm. yeah the mms or the mmx is the two-stroke and then the other one's the is a 654 stroke or something like that yeah for for moto two mm. uh yeah dude like that'd be kind of cool to just i love going out there to the corsa and seeing what all sort of weird stuff shows up but those track days even especially with track assassins just seeing guys probably that you wouldn't expect right doing Going fast and doing stuff. That- yeah, I mean, lots of old CBs. Um, yeah. GT from Von Zipper was out there. He's got a couple old Norton Commando, like single cylinder 500s. Um, so those are super rad to see out just getting around the track. But And then all the guys that are regulars out there, there's a rad um, – VFR 400. Jay, I'm um, sorry. We're watching a video and Jay's probably like, flashback. Making a face. her flashbacks. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just so much cool, like old stuff out there that some of it's hard to tell what it is because it's got full body work and didn't come with full body work. But, you know, the guys just rip them. Yeah. It's pretty, they got to have a belly cool. for that, for that series. They got to have a belly pan, a catch can for oil. So they already yeah. have like some underbody stuff that they didn't come with but yeah like i don't know dude that stuff that shows up out there is so much fun to watch i yeah, wish i wish my buddy that got me uh into cafe racers um he's the guy i first went out to the corsa with a long time ago because you know we had those things and that's kind of what we were into the vintage racing stuff i really wish he would bring some of his old commandos and his old cb750s out and go out there and track them because he doesn't he builds them as pretty show bikes, but uh, I don't think he's been out on a track for 100 years, and that'd be fun to go out, do stuff like that, where we fit in. <laughs> I have to say, too, um, Tony from 27 Cycles smoked me. Was there a whole contingency of Harley guys? Because I think they're going to try and race, right, in the in the course of? Including XR 1200, there were four five of them, I think, five. Uh-huh. Pretty sure five, but Tony, Tony went around me and just – like took off. Wow. Just was on rails on that soft tail. <laughs> That's right. He is in it to win it next weekend or this coming weekend. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. 
That is that, and he's been working on that thing since last year. That is the new Fat Bob, right? That he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a 2018 Fat Bob. That's, I mean, it's been lifted front and rear quite a bit. Um, it's got bigger rotors on the front. It's got better brakes on it. It's got 17 inch uh, wheels with slicks. It's got a bunch of shred um, Motoco like hardware, like yeah, lifted lifted some, rear sets or something some on it. Mid controls that are. Um, lifted and, and up a little bit um see an exhaust it's pretty high so and then the bars are a lot lower than they were when they first started man he's they're, they're it's pretty insane yeah and it's just insane how fast he's going on yeah. that thing they just been, did a little bit of motor work too yeah and they've been i mean bringing the harleys now to the track for the last couple of years and yeah. it's really 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 cool uh this is for a test crash by the way Sorry, listeners at home. This is great audio. This is them. I think that was them test crashing for the uh, Kurt Caselli Foundation to see what uh, sort of stuff happens to bikes when they crash. But um, but yeah, speaking of not crashing, those guys have been ripping them Harleys uh, for the last couple of years and building up the, you know, not only the expectations that people have of Harleys now, but also building up that class because I think they've got a few people interested in coming out. And actually, it's a legit class now for the course, I'm pretty sure. So pretty rad. Um, anything of note besides the fact that you got your suspension dialed in by a pro? Uh, nothing really at the track day. I mean, I just I felt pretty good all day, getting better all day, and getting more comfortable with the RC. But yeah. it's still so much faster than the Ducati was. Yeah. It just, it pulls hard at the end of the straightaway. It keeps pulling down the straightaway where the duck kind of faded off. Yeah. And it was way less scary. And this thing just has so much more speed, especially the backstretch. Like you kind of go around the little kink that's turned seven and it just keeps pulling, pulling, pulling. <laughs> and on the Ducati, I was going into turn eight full throttle and fifth. And this one is like no fucking way. Yeah. It's just so much faster of a bike. You're not you. You've made it there before you have a chance to shift, right? I mean, like, well, it's just the like, I, it's just so much faster. Like it's like I just lift. I'm like, no way am I trying to lean this. Oh thing right, right, right. I get right you. Now. I get you. Uh, yeah, no, that's I love. I mean, every time you go out, you talk about how like your goal is to see where you were last time, see if you can like you know, break a little later, go a little faster, shift a little, you know, later, whatever. And it sounds like just doing some crazy suspension changes helped you do that. And that definitely helped a lot. Yeah. Just made me way more comfortable, made the bike feel a lot better, more stable. So I think I'm going to drop Spamla down and soften the rear end. See, <laughs> see if I can ring more from that 12 horsepower monster. <laughs> it's probably making like eight horsepower right now it's probably i think she needs rings but um but yeah no that's awesome i i love the fact that brady uh put that on and now he's at moto gp as are uh the guys yeah. from noko moto everybody's down there for for the big show and here we are what are we doing what are you guys doing this weekend i have a race at kern county that's that what I'm i thought putting on in conjunction with the uh hooligan dirt dash crew so so Hooligans and Hooligan Dirt Dash are teaming up for a few races, and the first one is this weekend at Kern County. So pretty excited. Yeah. And then this Jay. Is, oh, by the way, this is how I ride in L.A. Dude. <laughs> I should put this video up on our yeah, this Facebook is, this page. This is basically me in L.A. Dude. Yeah. That's a little a little <laughs> too much. Like this is how I – the video that we're watching is somewhere in Europe or 
Istanbul. I can't tell which is still in Europe, I guess. But the fact is that there's like uh, six inches in between these cars and this bike that is at least 24 inches. Some of those maneuvers I literally have done where I've really been perpendicular. Man, I just find another street. (laughs) No way. Especially with all the... That's what makes it fun. Especially the fact that I don't have a... Uh, KTM adventure bike uh, there's no way I'm going to be riding through downtown LA like that we've mm-hmm. talked about it before like just like you know everything from last week and, and and this week you need a rally car to drive through LA what's come on Garcetti pave these freaking roads um, well I mean the taxes went up well the thing <laughs> is then where's our pothole you should have heard I was cursing up a storm when I got that parking ticket because I was like just that street alone that Lucky Wheels is on is like terrible the, I know taxes had, went up so they could pay cops more money to give tickets and uh, just they had just dumped some fresh like uh, asphalt down right in front of Lucky Wheels but it wasn't completely finished so all of the gravel was spraying so every time a big van or a truck would blow yeah. by at like 60 miles per hour on, on that road you would just hear it while linden was talking you could just hear the oh dude yeah all of the gravel just pitting up everywhere they don't they don't think about celebrities coming to town to talk when they be fixing the roads here in la that's for dang sure um with that i think that's our show um yeah i'm super glad that we all actually got out and got out to an event together and i'm glad that you guys that we all rode this weekend which is pretty fun and i'm glad that you guys um both got out to some events i ditched the alley rally and i heard that crash from cafe racer podcast might have came up and done it so i was like Mm. dang i kind of kind of bailed because i didn't want to be the only dude there on a goofball bike because i guarantee it was all those fools from the ADV thing that you were at doing the alley rally. It was like 99%, uh, you know, our 1200s and um, KTM super adventures and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to go down there on Spamla or the VFR. So uh, I went for a ride on my own. But anyway, yeah, stay tuned uh, for our um, LA escape from LA uh, camp out. <laughs> and so we'll see who survives. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have some challenges coming up, and we're going to have some fun for you next week. And in the meantime, I hope you get out there and ride. I hope you get out there and crash a bike, race a bike, do whatever it is you like to do on bikes, but just make sure it's on a bike and sign up for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. That's coming up uh, in like four weeks. From the time you hear this, it might even be three and three quarters of a week. So with that, we are out, and smoke you later. Any any uh, significant sign-offs you guys want to say? Wear your damn... If you need a good quality everyday carry tool, knife, piece of steel to take around in your pocket and open boxes with, check out Field Initiative Knives. Our very own co-host, Chris Wiggins, makes them by hand in his workshop, Field Initiative Knives. Check them out on Instagram. the classy music let me tell you if you're going to be in california may 4th you're in luck norcal you're going to head over to the quail to check out hundreds of classic bikes speakers and uh motorcycle icons happening at the quail lodge if you're going to be in socal check out the californian put on by ramming speed zone brady walker tickets for both located on our website 
Be there or be square. Hey, Solstice Slam winners, or anybody who's bought a Pinewood Derby car to enter into the Derby races at the Californian, ship your car ASAP. There's only a month left until the event, and uh, send it back to the Brady Walker or Jim Handybone, who is the creative writing mailman, and we'll get your car entered into the Derby. And stick around on next week's show. We've got something big coming up for you for Sacramento. Take it easy.